So it's just before Spectre. Noah and I are sitting in the cinema right now and we're watching some random ad. We've got our Spectre cups. There's a lot more people here than we expected. Well, what, what, what podcast are we on, Ben? Double R7. Just sort of give Don't it a free advertising. Just, just quickly, Noah, before we get kicked out for seeing Spectre for this episode of Double R7. WordPress.com. Are you excited? Uh, yes, I'm excited for... It just went a lot quieter. <laughs> I'm excited to see Blofeld's pussy once again. And on that note, let's hear our reactions from Spectre. 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 My name's Bond. James Bond. What do you think you're doing? Keeping the British hand up, sir. Blow up, double This never happened to the other fellow. Under money. Every penny of it. So you put your money where your mouth is. That's quite a nice little nothing you're almost wearing. I approve. I'll do anything for a woman with a knife. Shocking, positively shocking. You get your clothes on, I'll buy you a nice train. <laughs> Hello everybody and welcome to Double Lost Seven Australia's only James Bond podcast. Back for a very, 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 very special episode or a very spectacle episode. I don't know where I'm going there. As we are moving away from the films and forget that silly order we've been doing because we're talking about the new James Bond film which... Most people in the world have already seen by now, but because we live in Australia, we have to get it later than everyone else, so Colin's been waiting and trying so hard not to spoil to us that Denby was a C. Um, fill in the blank. Uh, <laughs> my name is uh, N, and that's what it stands for. My name is Ben, and hello, pussy. <laughs> and my name is Colin, and I can officially say you can call me C. <laughs> yeah, uh, Station C. <laughs> yeah, Station C. That's where he's from. Uh, just to put in a bit of context, me and Ben literally got out of the cinema what three hours two ago? Two hours ago. Two hours ago. Yeah. Uh, so we haven't really had time to let it sink in. We're jumping straight into the reactions. Technically, we've already recorded a thirty-second reaction video uh, audio, but you'll hear that later. Um, so yeah, it's really super fresh in our mind. Uh, Spectre, Colin's probably had what a week to think about it and all that. Have you seen it again yet, Colin, or you've still only seen it once? Yeah? No, I'll be going again over the weekend. Same. Saturday, I think I'll go again because it's worthy of a second watch. Um, I'll, I'll wait till Tuesday just for people wondering Tuesday. what I'm doing. Is that why? Um, uh, All of our yeah. listeners want to know Ben's schedule right now. <laughs> so why does he wait till Tuesday? Come, come, see, come see it at Glenorchy with me. I'll, I'll shout you a Ooh. ice cream. I want to I wanna live. Um, yeah, we should just jump into s- straight away without any further ado. So we literally just saw it. So... Um, maybe there's some stuff that we needed to soak in and we may gloss over some important things that we still haven't processed yet, uh, but literally got out of the cinema. So I think it's good uh, for you, Ben, to say, Spectre. Spectre. Thoughts on Spectre. We just got out of the cinema. The new James Bond film, Bond 24. Well, it's strange to kind of be doing this because, I mean, we're used to sort of on some of our other podcasts doing an episode within, a, you know, 15, 20 minutes, an hour of watching the newest episode. So, it's kind of there. But 
This you is waited something fifty-two that... years to do Doctor No read. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, very meticulous. We wanted to make sure it was perfect. But um, you know, this is this is something that only gets released every three, four years now. So um, to do a reaction episode to a film is is unique. Um, yeah, no, it's I liked it. It was. It was different. Um, you know, I, I think it's still kind of this Craig era of films that, um, you know, considering we've been re-watching all the old school ones and how they are and obviously, you know, four films into the Craig era and we're slowly getting used to kind of what we've got and really, you know, still sticking particularly with the Sam Mendes style of directing, which is, you know, a unique take on the Bond universe um it's it's i i thoroughly enjoyed the film there were there were bits that uh i maybe didn't necessarily like there were lots of bits that i did like um yeah it's i was kind of saying to you on the way home that i remember when i saw skyfall um straight away after i got out of that the film i was like oh i want to see that again like you know i was thinking about it for a couple of days it was just it just had a, an impact on me it was kind of strange whereas this one like, i want to see it again like you know it's, i'm not sort of saying i don't want to but i guess i'm kind of not on that same element i was with skyfall but yeah i, I definitely think out of all the craig films it's easily the funniest which i really enjoyed the the humor aspects to yes. it um I I think as a performance, it was Daniel Craig's best performance as Bond. He's really kind of connected his way into this role now and sort of really, you know, putting this era of his into new ways. And I think he's really, you know, comfortable as James Bond now, as long as he doesn't slit his wrist at the end of this film. Um, and the villain, oh, goodness me, Christoph Waltz. I love that man. I I just, I want to hang out with him. I want to, like just be in that glass perspex room with him and talk to him. I, I, he's just, he's amazing. He's just so good. And Colin and I were wrong. Noah was right. He's Blofeld. Get over it. Didn't say we that should one. say spoiler alert if anybody's listening to this. Oh, shit. Yeah, Sorry, we should have uh, said that at the top of this film. Uh, took four and a bit minutes alert. to get in. Seriously, if you're listening to a Spectre Reactions podcast <laughs> and didn't expect to be spoiled, well, it's your own fault, guys. Yeah, we should say that, though, because there has been non-spoiler episodes of sh- or videos and that and reviews. So, we should say <laughs> let, heavy spoil- Let me rephrase. Let me rephrase. Or is he Blofeld? <laughs> there was a white pussy. That's all I know. Uh, yeah, well, I've, like you said, I've been waiting for a week. So, um, I- I've had different let it reactions. Out, Colin. Let it out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've had different reactions over the last week. So, this is where it's interesting that I have a bit of a different perspective because, uh, I-, I have the same reaction as you, Ben, where I think there were some parts of the movie that didn't necessarily work. Uh, a lot of the stuff in the middle area. And it- in some ways, even though it's almost two and a half hours long, it's, maybe a little bit too ambitious for what they wanted to fit in two and a half hours. There was a lot to cover and some parts feel like they could have been developed a little bit more, but I mean, this is just regular nitpicking as we do with all the movies. I mean, this movie was a blast. It was probably uh, all around the most entertaining of the Daniel Craig movies. I think uh, my reaction to this is kind of different from yours, Ben, because I'd say with Skyfall, I came out of it thinking that was one of the greatest Bond movies I've ever seen. And as a week or two went by, although I loved it, I definitely wanted to see it again. It wasn't like it was constantly on my mind. And with Spectre, I wouldn't rank it as high as Casino Royale. I wouldn't rank it as high as Skyfall. Um, But at the same time, I think that I've been considering this movie and thinking about it more over the last week. 
and dying to see it again uh, more than I have any of the previous Daniel Craig Bonds. And I love the Daniel Craig Bonds. Uh, I think that some of the bits in this that do work are just so incredible. Um, we'll, we'll cover some of those in a little bit, but like just right off the bat, I mean, the pre-title sequence, uh, amazing. And then, as I said, some Speak bits... Speak to Ben on this one, Colin. Uh, well... Uh, <laughs> we'll get to it in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I have a lot of strong opinions on, on some of the bits that really work in this movie, and then some that don't. But the thing is, the things that don't work, it's not that it's bad, it's just... It's it's your typical Bond movie. I think that's where a lot of the critics are maybe missing the point. The Daniel Craig's have maybe set the bar too high, at least with Casino Royale and Skyfall, um, that the intention was always to go back to traditional Bonds of just being entertainment and to be a little bit more uh, cartoony in some ways, a little bit more over the top. And that's what I think Bond fans have really been dying to see. I honestly can't wait to see it again. I think that, as you said... I'm not going to say the name <laughs> Oberhauser <laughs> uh, was fantastic in this, but I think all around what really worked with this was not just Daniel Craig, not just Christoph Waltz, but all the characters really got a chance to shine more than I think we've ever seen in a Bond movie before. Uh, I loved every supporting character in this. I'm so conflicted because I don't know if I loved this film or if I just kind of liked it. Um, it feels like there is no middle ground with it. It's just, there's the things that really worked and there's things that really didn't work. The net, um, which <laughs> we'll jump in. Well, let's just say it now, like escaping. <laughs> oh, we've got to get out of the way. Come on. We've got to escape from this building. Oh, we've only got 40 seconds. Oh, trust me. Let's fall off here. Oh, there's a net here. That's convenient. <laughs> <laughs> that was really lazy writing, but we've got that out of the way now. Um, there's so much Oberhauser slash, let's face it, his Blofeld um, <laughs> is just, he was such an amazing villain. But if semi-undeveloped, but they will, well, not undeveloped, underutilized, I'd say, but they are clearly going to bring him back next film or the film after. Um, they did an okay, if kind of lazy way of connecting everything to the Daniel Craig films. Like, apparently Silver was Inspector. Um, how that works logistically, let me go and rewatch Skyfall, but it seemed like, oh, let's just put every Bond villain, except for Dominic Green in, for most parts, because <laughs> they really did, did like to show his picture as much as everyone else. Um, trying to forget that film. But at the same time, yeah, the cast is super strong. Apparently, Monica Bellucci was in this film. I'm not sure. I didn't really see her in it, um, which we'll probably touch on that. But one thing I really did like, the old MI6 game, like, I'm still not a big Ben Whishaw fan, but I think they all gelled really good together. I'm completely on the Rafe Vines bandwagon as M now. I think he was great, and I was not expecting to enjoy him that much. Um, Denby <laughs> C is he was okay until they revealed he was Inspector Spectre Spectre spoiler alert and then I'm like oh like that is so typical like we saw that coming like I thought they were doing great with his character until they revealed that which maybe we'll touch on each character later um, Mr. Hinks was great if underutilised again and kind of anticlimactic, even though that fight was amazing. Um, and the Madeline Swan love story we'll touch on for sure, but I'm just not buying that. 
But there was so much good in this film and so many layers. And maybe you're right, Colin, maybe they didn't have too ambitious to fit everything in and that maybe there will be, like, this does feel like part one of a trilogy or two films or something, but... Yeah, and then the other thing, like, here's Spectre's home base, and, oh, well, it's exploded straight away. Um, <laughs> but I'm just rambling because I've got so many things on my mind right now, but I really did enjoy this film. I can't wait to watch it again, but it, it isn't the best Bond film, but not many films are the best Bond film, except for whatever our first one is. Um, again, rambling. This I will say that this episode, we've got no structure. It's just going to be a free-form conversation for two hours or so, general reactions and then in a few months when the blu-ray comes out i guess we'll do our normal episode with all our debating of kisses and bangs and peter travers um so it's going to be free form but i think it may be a good place to start and you guys can come up with some questions too but i'll i'll kick it off there's probably no better place to start than the pre-title sequence um and we should say gun barrel at the start Woo! best craig gun barrel for sure like he's nailed it on this one um craig's performance in general and maybe i'm jumping ahead to a easily his best performance i said to you ben the first two or three films he was moody double o agent this film he was james bond like he had the the lines the funny lines he had the uh, the swagger, he had the romance, he had the action. He was James Bond in this film, and I'm not the biggest Daniel Craig fan, but very impressed with his performance. Um, but the pre-title sequence, we're not going to recap exactly what it is other than what we liked and what we didn't like and everything. I freaking love the humour in this film. I've seen a lot of, in the non-spoiler reviews I've been reading, people said the humour's back, but it's not that good. It's cheesy and corny. That couch thing was amazing. <laughs> I loved the couch gag. Um, and then uh, the old... The Simpsons, the couch gag. Yeah. The old man in Rome was hilarious. Um, there was Bond and the mouse, Bond and Mickey Mouse. Um, there was just a lot. But the pre-title secret, uh, I'll let one of you talk because I'll, I'll give my opinions in a minute because I've been rambling forever. But one of you, I think we're going to have a bit of a debate here because Colin loved it and Ben had some negative things to say about it. So let's talk about the pre-title sequence. I just want to quickly say that if anybody knows that clip of The Simpsons where Homer Simpson is going whoop, 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 on the floor, play that over and over again and that's all three of us with the gun barrel. Um, <laughs> we were very excited when that showed up. Had to contain um, our excitement. And I will say that's the one spoiler I think we requested from Colin. Uh, I was like, just confirm yeah. to us, does Gun Barrel return? And then I was like, worried yes. when we're in the cinema. Was Colin trolling us and it's not in the <laughs> Look, let me just point out, I like the pre-title sequence. It's kind of you portraying it like I hated it. I didn't hate it. What I, I guess in terms of what sort of... I didn't particularly like about it was the opening sequence that kind of the extended sort of pan down and then the extended walk and then up into the that bit I just think went a little bit too long and there's several moments in this film I feel that were a little bit slow 
Having said that, from then on in, I think it was just fantastic. Like, that sweeping shot of him walking along the rooftop and then sort of aiming in with a gun and then the chase and the helicopter stuff was amazing. Um, the couch bit, yeah, absolutely amazing. But I, I think kind of a few things Noah and I sort of have, have pointed out sort of on the, on the car trip home and that we sort of came up with a few ideas for scenes that might have worked. I think oh, yeah. if this was a Roger Moore Share film... This. Yes, I will. Um, <laughs> this was a Roger Moore film. It's great. Um, uh, it's fantastic, isn't it? Um, could you not imagine, so the bit where he says to the lady, be back in a sec, like that at the end of the sequence, instead of him sort of looking at the ring, zooming in onto the title, he lands a helicopter, gets back to the hotel, and it's like, oh, sorry about that. Yeah, where were we? Or something like that, you know? <laughs> like, that just would have been perfect. That would have yeah. been perfect package there. But um, other than that, like, yeah, look, it's it's... I enjoyed it thoroughly. It was just that one bit that kind of annoyed me. But, um, yeah, I mean, just the helicopter stuff was the, the stunts with that and, um, everything, the, the bomb and then the building f- falling down on top of it. And I, I did also sort of nitpick at the fact that this just had a massive terrorist attack in Mexico City and yet they've just walked around the corner. Everyone's still partying like nothing's <laughs> happened. So, um, but yeah, I, I feel like this is, we're kind of doing this like a normal episode, but I think we're just kind of talking up a bit. Well, it's a good of, place to start, the pre Well, that's usually where you do begin is at the beginning. So, <laughs> yes, that was my one bit about it that I didn't like, though, sort of, I, I still liked it. I love everything about this pre-title sequence. I think it may go down. We'll have to wait till we finish our rewatch or I see it a second time, but it may go down as my favorite pre-title sequence Whoa. ever. I don't know what you're talking wow. about. That, open, that opening shot was so incredible. Uh, I, I would have loved for it to have gone longer. I kept wondering, like, how are they going to get out of this? When are they going to be able to do a cut? And I saw it on an IMAX screen, so maybe it made a difference. I don't know if uh, you have a, you had an IMAX there, did you? We don't have IMAX in Tasmania. <laughs> okay. <laughs> IMAX I don't even know if we've got IMAX in Australia, to be honest. Oh, no, we do have IMAX. We've got 7D in Solomon. Well, I'll just say, seeing this on an IMAX screen is unbelievable. Um, That opening shot, I can't even imagine how hard it was to orchestrate. And at the same time, like, you got to give credit to Sam Mendes. The way that you're seeing hundreds, thousands of people in one shot and the camera keeps moving. And yet, when Sciarra comes on screen and when Bond comes on screen, despite the fact that they're masked, you instantly know these are the characters we're supposed to be watching. And uh, I just loved even just going through the hotel and everything and... When Bond unmasked, I mean, it was such a good moment. And a lot of people are saying they love that opening shot, but the rest of the pre-title sequence wasn't as good. I thought the rest of it was fantastic. I mean, we all saw the building collapse in the trailers, and we all saw the helicopter flip in the trailers, but there was so much to it. Uh, that uh, The fight inside the helicopter was just unbelievable. Uh, when people did fall out of it, again, just maybe it's one of those things seeing on an IMAX screen. Like, I was getting dizzy watching it. Uh, I think my favorite part about this is how we always talk about how there's two different types of pre-title sequences there's those that are very directly connected to the film i think the pierce brosnan's were most well known for that and then there's those that are kind of a standalone mission and depending on how you view this you could see it both ways because yes him tracking down skiara is what starts the film skiara is mentioned later on the ring obviously is what kickstarts the the story and his investigation but I love the fact that here Bond is apparently on a mission for who knows how long tracking this guy. We've never heard of him before. We've never seen him. And he doesn't really even factor in that much later on. I mean, you could watch this and 
even though it does take part in the story later, you don't have to be glued to it that much the way you do and say the world is not enough or GoldenEye, where when you rewatch it, you're, you're having to pick, okay, well, this is what's going to come up later. This is sort of its own mission that leads into the rest of it. And I just love how everything connects later on, but it's still its own thing. And, and yeah, the humor was great in here. I mean, Daniel Craig, just in the opening sequence, was just owning this character when he does step out. It's just, you're, you're, you're instantly like, this is a Bond moment. Um, I, I love this pre-title sequence. Uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. I'm not sure if I'd say it's the best. Um, I did think it was a bit forced to bring Judy Dench back into it. That did seem like, oh, we've got to have Judy Dench in it giving him the mission. Um, like, I'm not sure what you guys thought of that, but that was kind of like, yeah, she's dead. Move on. Uh, <laughs> 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 well, we saw a hundred pictures of her, this film. They couldn't let it go. Um, yeah, I don't have too much more. You've both pretty much covered it. I loved the couch thing, as I keep saying. <laughs> I think that's amazing. I got very Thunderball vibes from the, this when they were like jumping through the uh, the parade and just the amount of ex, uh, extras they had and just it looked amazing in this location with everyone there in this parade. I think that was a great choice. Um, one thing I was worried and I whispered to this to Ben during it was the song started playing mm. while the film was still going and I'm like, this isn't going to be the title sequence, is it? Daniel Craig flying a helicopter for two uh, two minutes. Like, that was a little worrying. Um, but, yeah, this was a very exciting scene. I loved the opening reveal of Bond when uh, What's-His-Face walks past and then Bond's there with the mask is great. Um, and the snipering shots is really cool. Um so I think it was a great, it's not the best one, but such a great start with the helicopter. Um, we're not going to go in order like a normal recap, but it makes sense to talk about the title sequence now. Um, as I said, it, it kind of was a bit delayed. It had Bond going forever. Um, oh, can we also quickly get some thoughts uh, before we talk about the title sequence? Uh, the Dead. What did it say? The Dead. Are oh, alive. the writing at the beginning. Yeah. yeah. Hipster. Uh, yeah, Ben didn't like that. Did you like that, Colin? No. Um, I didn't mind it. It's it's not something that really bothered me, but it was something that kind of <laughs> took unique. me out of... Well, it, the Bond movies are very specific in their format and their formula, and it's something that we haven't really seen before other than, you know, uh, Zorin is in no way a reference to real corporations. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... Uh, to me, it was more just like when I watch Quantum of Solace and you have the titles coming up on the screen saying Ugh. what the location is, it's so oh, yeah. different uh, that that's sort of what I just saw it as. It just it feels like something that's not really a Bond movie, but it's not something that bothered me. I think... Is it... Is it oh, you go. Uh, I was just going to say, I think this film was heavily reliant on text location indicators because it was like, as I said to you, Ben, it's like, Mr. White is in Austria cut to Bond in the snow driving to Mr. White's house and we get a title cut, Austria. Like, <laughs> yeah, I think we can figure that out then. All right, we need to go back outside MI6 office, London. Like, it was very <laughs> reliant on... That's a very minor complaint, but still. Um, w- did you have anything to add I was, before we go well, to the I was kind of trying to tie in things to the film. So the quote 
what was it like the dead is living or whatever the hell it is and then we dead, are alive. dead dead are alive do you think that ties into the whole Oberhauser storyline how he thought he was dead but he's not really this dead this is going to be you with the lyrics again <laughs> yeah oh, well it's a legitimate yeah, question so. um, there's a lot of themes about dead here Mr. White talking about his death um, the day of the dead and Oberhauser being dead so Jimmy I guess Dench being alive <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I think it's just a theme of this film is death and alive <laughs> let's talk about the like title. life speaking of octopuses let's talk about the title sequence octopus porn oh, yes speaking of octopussy uh why wasn't this the octopussy stuff yeah someone needs to read <laughs> it's an all time <laughs> I, I really have no, I really have to rewatch it again because there was so much going on that you're trying to get. This is that's what happened. That's what happened. This is moving on. Um, so I can't speak fully on it. I have to rewatch the film, but I really enjoyed the title sequence. Um, there was a few bits that were a bit hokey in there, but it fitted with the song really well. I don't think I like the song any better, but it, it worked with the song because it almost made you forget about the song that you were listening to. Um, and as we said off air, two people actually left during this sequence. <laughs> we're not even joking. They literally did. Yeah. And the, yeah, I just was wondering what was going on there, because who goes to the toilet 10 minutes into a film? So I guess they hate this song as much as I do, but um, it worked so well with the song. And the song in general, underused within the film, like they used, I think once when Bond and Leo got together, um, Madeline got together. But it's just such a grand title sequence. The Daniel Craig films, bar one, have really good title sequences. There was the octopus, uh, the images of past films, which uh, I don't think you liked, Ben. I was kind of no. mixed on it. I was kind of like, hey, there's silver, but the Vespa one was a bit weird. Um, Daniel Craig shirtless threesome with octopuses. Lots of red. I really want to rewatch it because it was a beautiful looking title sequence, and I, it's one of my favourites of all time. Perhaps not top five, but it could be in the top ten. It's just I need to rewatch it. There were so many elements that you missed trying to catch it the first time. Yeah, I I think you summed up beautifully when you said it was, it was beautiful. Like, was just something about it that just was really it worked so well, and um, you know, put that down to modern technology and looking great on computers, but. Um, I mean, the, the octopus stuff actually, surprisingly, I mean, sort of analysing and thinking about it, it's like octopus porn, a giant octopus, and it's, it sounds quite cheesy, but it actually worked. Like, I mean, I think sort of post-Goldeneye, they've really worked the themes of each of the film into the credits, which got lost in the 80s, but we really have had that ever since 1995. Even the horrendous Quantum of Solace opening titles um, had sand because it was in the desert. Um, but like just the way it worked into it was fantastic. I'm going to put this out there might actually have the song go up a little bit because of the credits. I think Colin, that was another sort of question we asked, like, did it work in well? And you sort of, I think tease saying it did or something. You might refresh from exactly what you said, but I'm still not going to put this as a top 10 James Bond yeah, song. Maybe by a any little means. Bit, but not much. But it... Just the themes of it worked, and I remember in talking in our Writings on the Wall episode, we said, oh, we just have to wait to see the movie, but I definitely think it's gone up in terms of a song based on what we saw. I wasn't a fan of shirtless Daniel Craig 
um, sort of moodily, brutally looking into the camera and twice, like it started and then went back to it. There was a scene where the, the octopus tentacles were like climbing around the legs of like when Bond was embracing faceless woman, which is obviously meant to be Leia Seydoux. I was like, is that Bond's penis? <laughs> his legs. Hung like an um, octopus. Uh, yeah, I, I wasn't a fan of the flashbacks. That was very Majesty's. Uh, I don't know. Like, it just... I see why they do it. It ties into the film. You know, it's like, oh, guys, remember these people? Uh, there wasn't a villain in Quantum of Solace, by the way, so just ignore that one. Um, but <laughs> we'll bring them back up later in the film. Like, I don't know. It just seems a bit forced that way. But, um, when- yeah, other than... Other than that, it, I yeah, I really enjoyed it too. It was beautiful, as you said. When was the last time we had dancing girls in a Bond thing? A Bond intro? Die another day. Because uh, there's our mention. Because we don't see that. That was. I won't even old play school. the song this episode. I won't even play. Yeah, it. don't do that. It was- Just kidding. Here it is. There we go. <laughs> uh, it was very old school. Couldn't you play ratings on the wall instead? No. 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 Neither. <laughs> Play nobody does it better, but yeah, dancing girls are back. You know, I love the pre-title or not the pre-title, the title sequence as well. Uh, that was the other question you asked me if the song worked better, and I think it does. I I don't know yet, and we'll have to wait until it's out on Blu-ray. But I don't know yet whether it's because the title sequence, as you said, do distract you a little bit from the movie. That was one of the theories that I had, or another is just you know hearing it so loud. It's such a soft song, and hearing it loud with a lot of amplification maybe helped it uh but so many of the things that go on a screen again this is where the movie's back to being classic bond and this is something that i think a lot of the fans were waiting for not that the fans disliked the previous three being kind of removed from the bond formula or everything but this is like a traditional bond title sequence it's very over the top it's got things in there that if you're looking at them one at a time it's ridiculous and somehow they come all together the shirtless thing with the women surrounding him, that actually had me... I was the only per- I thought I wouldn't be the only one, but I was the only person in the theater, a packed theater of 500 people, who burst out laughing at that point. <laughs> but it was because of recognition, to be honest. Like, I love that part, because it, what it reminded me of was the teaser poster for Honor Majesty's Secret Service, and I think they probably came up with the poster before Lazenby was cast, where it's just a shirtless Bond... And his face is just kind of shattered out and he's surrounded by women. And I thought that's what they were doing with it. Again, just tying it to Honor Majesty's Secret Service. But I, I, when I see the title sequence again, I like to compare those two images because that's what I was thinking of at that moment. But yeah, all the octopus stuff was fantastic. And I think the song does work better. It, it doesn't work great, but this is what happens with a lot of Bond themes is that it, you listen to it on its own, you don't love it, but you see it with the title sequence and it works a little bit better. Yeah. Oh, I have. <laughs> the, the, I actually saw it this morning, and it took all the might in my hand not to click play. But I think it has been leaked online. So when we're done up with this episode, I'll probably be rewatching the title sequence. But mm. yeah, it was very difficult not to watch it this morning, waiting for to watch it tonight. We kind of touched a little bit in our initial comments on. The, at least the MI6 supporting cast. We've been slowly introduced to... We had a different M, obviously, for the first three films, but you can still say that Ray Fiennes' M was introduced in the last one, and obviously Q and Moneypenny were introduced in the last one. Uh, this was different the way it was handled, I feel, because 
in a way, this entire movie is tying it to all the previous films, but we don't really have a reference for Money Penny Q or even M. Like Ray Fiennes was not technically M in the last one. Money Penny, you didn't realize she was Money Penny until the last scene or second last scene. And Q was there, but he was a very different Q. They were, uh, I think in this one, at least in my opinion, is that Q especially was a lot more closely tied to traditional Q. He had the Q lab. He was working on gadgets, not just hacking on a laptop. Uh, he had a bit of banter with Bond. Uh, he often got stressed out at things that Bond asked him to do and did. And, uh, you know, obviously, Ben, you talked about how good Rafe, or no, I think you talked about how good Rafe Fiennes was. Rafe Fiennes was fantastic. Yeah, I loved him. Yeah, I have no question that he's going to become a great M. And he's, he's slightly different as all the M's are, except for maybe Robert Brown. But, <laughs> Gordon <laughs> Dench. Gordon Dench. Uh, but, like, Rafe Fiennes has his own M, but it still feels like an M character. I, I think at times, Judy Dench was so involved in the plot that you kind of forgot that it was Bond's boss and she was almost like a, the second character of the franchise. And I think this is more of Bond's boss, even though he had just as much involvement in it. But I mean, with Money Penny, that was the one that I, I absolutely love Naomi Harris as Money Penny now. Uh, and I didn't dislike her in the last one. It's just you weren't really sure she was Money Penny in the last one. I think all three of those MI6 allies were just Poor some of the best enough. things. Oh. Yeah, yeah, Tanner Tanner does get kind of slighted in this movie, but I mean the the three main ones were were really fantastic, and I think they added a lot to this movie without taking away from Bond. I think of the three of them, I was most surprised at how much I liked Q. Uh, I knew I'd love Ray Fiennes not as much, but like Naomi Harris is there's a good possibility she could eventually top Lois Maxwell. <gasps> Oh, uh, she already topped Samantha Bond, but anyway. Oh. <laughs> I have to agree. I really did enjoy the MI6 gang, this film, which I didn't know if I was expecting that. They were maybe a bit too involved in the plot for my liking, but you almost needed that because Bond was so like heavily involved in just the one single story. Like Bond's journey I, I hate to use that phrase but it's very linear in this film it's bonds here and then he's going straight here and straight here and straight here it's not like all right we're going back and checking at mi6 we're doing this it's just very straight to the point so you almost needed the mi6 gang doing that stuff um i was very skeptical on ray Fiennes because i wasn't a fan of his character in skyfall and i didn't know what he would be like but he fits into the role so well and i feel like for however long he's in it, he's just going to be better and better as M. And you just bought him as the leader of MI6. It's kind of unfortunate that, like James Bond does every film, that his first role as M is kind of M going rogue and we didn't get to see real M uh, in a way. But just him walking to the office and everything, it worked so well. Um, so I was a big fan of him and I'm happy if he stays on it for many years to come. And you... She's not topping Lois, so get out. Um, but she... You get out! <laughs> Jesus. No, you get out. Um, A week's worth of watching this is really built up. And he... <laughs> yes. You get out! <laughs> she was very good, though, and I'd be interested to hear Ben's opinion in a minute. It's a, a different character, but I was sceptical of... We've just had... The, I forgot she was already an agent. I, I totally bought her as... Um, the secretary, and it's not like 
like we're not going to have feminist like Nazi people getting angry because it's not like she was the typical uh, oh she's just there for good looks and be the secretary. She was still a strong character who had a lot to do with the plot. Well, a fair bit to do with the plot. Um, yeah, I, I'm I'm really liking her. I thought she was pr- okay in Skyfall, but it was almost a completely different character in some ways. And I thought the relationship between her and Craig was way better than it was in Skyfall. Like, like when she, we, we might talk about Bond's apartment, but that was all great. And during the car scene when he was on the phone and she had some boy toy over or whoever that was, uh, uh, that was all great chemistry there. So I'm I'm a fan of her. I think she gelled well with the rest of the team. Uh, Tanner, yeah, a bit shafted this film, but I, I, I like Rory Kinnear, as we discovered. Um, so he, he did his job, I guess. And then finally, <laughs> Ben Whishaw as Q. He did up from Skyfall. I was very critical of him. I did not like him at all. I still don't buy him, and Ben, you can talk about Wimpy Q if you want, as you kept calling him. Um, but he was quite good in his lab, and he did have some funny moments. So I did like Q. It's just if I was to hear tomorrow someone else is being Q next film and Ben Wishaw has left, I don't bat an eye at all. It's okay, he's out. But if he's in the next one, fine, I've, I've learnt to accept him. And he was had a lot to do in this film, maybe too much. I didn't like how he showed up at the uh, at the what do you call it the uh, the Peace allergy Peas Gloria clinic, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the clinic, the allergy clinic. Um, I didn't like how he was that involved, but he was still good. So, Wait, that- but we we were we're coming off of License to Kill, where Q shows up on his holiday to help Bond. That's Desmond. Well, he can do anything. <laughs> <laughs> But, yeah, that that was one of the massive pluses for me. This film was the MI6 gang. That almost made it for this film. I, I don't like them getting too involved in the bomb film, but it worked so well, this film. Yeah, look, <laughs> I'll start with him. Um, Ray Fiennes, fantastic. I, I've always liked Ray Fiennes anyway. I think he's a great actor. Um, and it's still just so amazing to think that this is freaking Voldemort. <laughs> um, it just, it, I mean, it just goes to show just the type of actor he is. And, I mean, I remember in one of our preview ones, we were sort of talking about, oh, do we like M, the fact that it looks like he's getting involved in a fight and, (laughs) you know, he's actively there. I love that scene. I thought it was fantastic. M getting involved in a, you know, actual battle. I think that was brilliant. Now we know what Um, C stands for. And the thing that I think is so great about his character is, like, you know, we kind of got the age-old trope at the end. You're no longer an agent. Give me your bun. This isn't a country club, 007. Um, but the thing with M in this, it's like he really seemed... To, the, he was only doing this because he was under pressure. He really had no choice. He, I think, wanted to help, but he couldn't. And then eventually he just gives into it and does it anyway. I think a lot of the fact that we see, as much as I love Judy Dench, a lot of the whole, like, you know, you're no longer on this, you're no longer on that is seems to be coming from her, not so, you know, pressure from above M. So I like the fact that we kind of had that conflicted nature about this M and it's really a really interesting portrayal of the character of M and I, I'm really looking forward to seeing how that plays out. Um, I'll just quickly say Tanner. I think this is just a trope. Tanner in all Bond films is there <laughs> and we don't really care about him, but I like the Tanner character. Um, but, you know, that's enough as I'll say on him. Money Penny. Yeah, look, 
I like Naomi Harris. I think she's a great actress and she seems like a fantastic person. I have nothing against her as an actress or anything to do with that. I'm not a fan of getting Money Penny involved in the thing. And, like, I know where she's coming from as an agent, but I know I've said before, like, I'm not a huge fan of Money Penny being an agent and then becoming a secretary. Like, I think it needs to be the opposite. Like, get her a secretary and turn her into an agent. I just don't buy Money Penny getting involved in the plot. I just, I just, as a traditional Bond fan, I don't like it. And I'm, I don't know if that sounds sexist, like, oh, she should just be a secretary in the office. Like, like you know, we had Lois Maxwell and Diamonds Afro just rock up in a, you know, nice little uh, military outfit handing her off the, the deed. I mean, I like that. That's kind of cool. That's nice. Lois, whatever. And what I think they're really trying to do with this money penny bond flirtatious sort of relationship is they're just really making it seem like one time they're just going to bang the fuck out of each other, like the sexual tension and just so much how much they obviously want to get in each other's pants. Like it's not sort of your flirtatious, funny little sort of, you know, relationship that Connery had and maybe not so more, but, you know, Brosnan has with Samantha Bond, Dalton and what's her name, who cares about them, but... um. Yeah, I just, I'm not a fan of it. And Q, yeah, I, look, I'm still indifferent on Ben Wishaw. I I mean, I don't dislike him as much as I think Noah does, but I don't like him really either. And the thing kind of like about him being out there and on the scene and all this sort of stuff, and I love it when Desmond Llewellyn does it, but the thing, as I was kind of saying to Noah, like, the Desmond Llewellyn cue is sort of, he's older and, you know, he's got that over Bond, but, like, you never kind of see Q out in a situation where he's getting shot at or something like that. This film, a lot of it involved Q getting chased, Q getting shot at, Q being wimpy, um, and I just didn't really kind of like that element to Q. And, no, uh, Colin, you said we saw him working on gadgets and not just hacking. I think it's the complete opposite. We saw one bit with the gadget. The rest was him hacking. He's basically Boris Grishenko in this movie without the I'm Invincible. We had so um, many people in the background of the Q lab, but we didn't have a single, that I that I saw anyway, a single gag in the background with all these people. No, exactly. Like, I, I can see what they're doing, though. They're, they're trying to bring the classic elements in, which, you know, is great, and they're still doing it in a way where it's sort of this new way of doing Bond films. Um, but, yeah, and I mean, was it that scene where Q makes a joke and he laughs at himself? <laughs> like, there's still, I think, kind of the rapport between Craig and Wishaw and this sort of new... Um, like, it's it's not as good as we had with Llewellyn and any of the actors. Like, it still kind of comes across as, you know, because he's younger than Bond. Bond doesn't necessarily sort of buy him as much. Although we, we're starting to slowly get that trust when he's asking him to, like, make him disappear and all this sort of stuff. So, yeah. The, I mean, I, but in clo- the MI6 gang, like, it's a new way of doing it, I guess. Um, it's just not, a- so, not so much as Bond or by himself all the time. Just as a bit of a response to that, I mean, we've seen Q in way more action than this before and way more involved. I mean, Octopussy, License to Kill. Uh, this isn't a first for Q to be out there, and it's a little bit more believable this time. And as far as Money Penny goes, this is way more realistic to have somebody who's in the field and then decide, you know, this doesn't work for me. I mean, by the end of this, we're pretty much left to believe that Bond, if he is still with MI6, he's probably taking a desk job. I mean, this is what happens in the real world. That's one of the things I love most about this money penny is we're seeing she was a field agent for whatever reason. It didn't work for her, and she's decided she's going to take a desk job. And 
what she does in this as far as being involved in the plot, aside from the climax, I mean, this is exactly the way Samantha Bond was introduced. Bond's on his mission, and she's the one on the other line saying, okay, this is the information I found on you and relaying it back to him. That was exactly what the scene of her in her panties was to Bond. It was just she was in her panties and she had a guy in her bed, which I think, again, helps the relationship with Bond just to show these people have lives. They're flirting, but they're not invested in each other. Um, okay. Uh, I, yes. All right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Great debate here, guys. I'm very much. Ben just um, gave up. <laughs> I, I was I was cute. I wimped out. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I think. Main one next to talk about, um, yeah, Christoph Waltz, Oberhauser. Spoiler alert, he's Blofeld. Um, <laughs> when he Didn't sort of see said that it, when he said it, like, no, right, just kind of looked at each other and we just went, yep, there it is. Um, I think the whole, the sort of the way they built up to it, I thought, you know, it had its merits, it's, it's great. But I just want to quickly point this out, as Noah pointed out to me. This has basically come to the point now where James Bond is starting to parody Austin Powers because <laughs> this is Goldmember. Uh, this is Austin Powers and Dr. Evil finding out they're brothers. This is James Bond finding out he's the brother of Blofeld. <laughs> that is the only gripe we'll have it. But everything else... I just want to say the spectre scene around that table, the way they bring him in, the shadow on his face, the way they build it up. Like, yeah, we kind of seen the the gist of this on the trailer, but, oh God, it was just so good how they did that. And the way it was just all this serious meeting, all this sort of stuff. And the way he just then just goes, welcome James. And it's like, oh, fuck. Oh, hello. Um, And just how they did that. And then, the whole bit with the meteorite and then just the whole lead up to everything and the fact that when he wakes up in that chair and the fucking cat is there oh, i love that so much and just that line hello pussy <laughs> just cold. um and then sort of moving forward then like the whole explosion and everything and we see him again he's got the scar like oh it's so good wasn't bald though let's be honest he needed to be bald um, but, oh, it was just, Christoph Waltz, give this guy another Oscar. Like, I just want him to have another one. He deserves three. Daniel Day-Lewis and him can go, hang out in the triple Oscar club. Um, and, yeah, and sort of related to that, Denby, well, we called it three months ago, didn't we? So, we don't think we need to really go over there. Although, the line that, uh, sort of going back to M, that's why they call you M, and that's why they call you C. Um, hilarious. And was, also, I think, Noah, I think you mentioned too the, um, the whole Craig interaction with Denby. Um, I think I'm going to call you C. Oh, Max is fine. No, I'm going to call you C. <laughs> the, the M, the M line got the biggest laugh in our cinema out of any yes. other line in the film. Which would have been it would have been better if they he didn't then have to say yeah. oh it stands for was it callous or careless um, they should have like, left it there they should have just left it there that would have been perfect um, white I'm just sort of reading here we're going over all of them I believe and grouping them at the same time I'm reading our production notes <laughs> very professional them up. Ben <laughs> don't mention your reading of production notes Ben um, I'm bringing that yeah. up in the next pre-production meeting. <laughs> I did not bring up the production notes. (laughs) And why don't you edit out of the finished product? That's what you're meant to do. And why did Um, you add fart noises into (laughs) it? 
<laughs> Sit in the naughty corner. Um, Mr. White, I think it just it served the purpose then, basically, to close out that character. Um, the only evil person with Quantum of Solace. <laughs> Hello, Mr. Green. We were saying uh, on the car on the way home, we're just sharing all the jokes that Noah and I were telling on the way to recording this episode. Um, <laughs> you can imagine the actor who played Dominic Green, like, going, oh, honey, let's go watch the new James Bond film. I believe they're going to do throwbacks to past villains from the Craig films. Oh, I'm going to be seen again. And, like, he's just not shown. Um, they literally showed him and said his name, like, once, and they showed Judy Dench, like, 50. <laughs> they they show past villains in the pre-title. They show past villains on the the bloody shooting range at the end. <laughs> no green. <laughs> oh, that just sums up green as a as a villain. They just want um, to forget about that film. Mister White, perfect closure. He kills himself, I guess. Although realistically, when Bond is like. Oh, here you go. This shows how much I trust you. Hands in the gun. Wouldn't it just been hilarious if Mister White just picked up the gun and shot Bond. There we go. Done. Sorry. <laughs> Um, and Hinks, look, we finally have a, a henchman, I guess, in the Craig films, and he was he was fantastic in terms of the violence and just kind of what he was there, but there's just something about it that I just feel was underutilized. Like, they, they yeah. could have done so much more with him, and, like, he didn't really have kind of like a, a, a henchman trait, like, yeah, the double-barrel gun... Um, you know, crushing people's eyes. Like, that could have been a thing. Like, show him always crushing people's eyes or something like that. But And then eating just... them. Uh, maybe <laughs> not. <laughs> just underdeveloped. And, like, I fucking love the fact that he doesn't speak until he's like, shit. <laughs> and then he <laughs> But as I said to Noah, I think I was expecting him to just show up at one point, like, jaws again, like he's still alive. But... I mean, I'm glad that they're trying to bring this henchman back into the Craig era because I think that's one of the key things that's been missing in the first three films. So um, possibly all the the only way is up here from that. But yeah, I covered a bit. That's all the evil crew. Um, yeah, yeah. I I don't think any of us are going to say a bad thing about Christoph Waltz's Blofeld slash Oberhauser. Um, I'm not bothered by the idea of him being because they don't even really say that they were that close. It's from what we get you know bond was there for a while it was kind of a surrogate brother and these two guys may not have even gotten along that well uh it's just a way to tie it tie it all together and make it a little bit more personal but do they uh, have I like to tie that. it all together they don't have to but i think it, it if you just do blofeld all over again as just another terrorist then you're gonna run out of steam really quickly and i think where this does help and we'll probably talk more about this later is in the event that craig doesn't come back and it, even if he does come back, I mean, how long is Craig going to be there? You could have Blofeld in three films in a row like we had before, and it's not going to get boring. That's kind of the way it should be done. This protects them so that if they have a new actor come in, it's not like, you know, Honor, Majesty, Secret Service, or Diamonds are Forever, where it's reboot all over again, let's change everything about it. You have a way to tie this new Bond to the old Bond, Daniel Craig. So I think that's where it will probably help. It's, it's more forward-thinking than anything else. But that scene, the boardroom scene, as I said at the beginning, there are some moments in this movie that not only work, they work so brilliantly. And that's mm. going to go down as one of my all-time favorite scenes in this entire Hall series. Hall of Fame. Yep. Easy Hall of Fame. Um, let's just yep. say that right now. Call it right now. We saw so much of it in the trailer that I didn't think it would surprise me. And even though that moment where he says, welcome, James, you know, and he acknowledges him, we knew that was coming. I knew it was coming. I was just sitting there their entire scene saying when is he going to say that line when is he going to recognize james there 
when everybody sort of turns and looks at him, it felt like a nightmare to me. Like it was honestly like that was one moment where I mm. felt like scared in this movie. It was like when you have those dr- terrible nightmares and all of a sudden everybody sees you and everybody turns on you. I mean, it was a terrifying scene and the chase that followed was great too. Um, but the other villains, uh, I don't think they really live up. But at the same time, we're, we're saying like two and a half hour long movie and certain things were underdeveloped. They had a lot to do in this. And Mr. White was necessary for this film. Again, even just if nothing else to make Madeline Swan's character more important in a way that they couldn't develop her just in the script. Uh, Denby was important. You know, you needed to have some type of jeopardy for the organization and for the double O's. So for that, he served his purpose was a little bit let down. I think if nothing else, he was maybe meant, we talked about this and I think our last Spectre episode that the name Denby does have tied to the character or to the name Blofeld. And if nothing else, his character may have been meant as just let's try one swerve. If anybody's buying that, this might not be Blofeld. And I was kind of falling for that. I was thinking maybe Denby ends up being Blofeld. So in the end, I think his character was more interesting going in than uh, we're going to have coming out of it, especially with an actor like Andrew Scott playing him. Could have been a little bit more interesting, but again, then that would take away from Blofeld. And Hinks is a, a henchman. It's the same thing. If you develop him any further, they probably could have kept him around in the movie, but he would eventually take away from Blofeld as well. And I think the only other thing they could have done is had him in that scene, the torture scene, I guess, and have Bond fight with him and kill him there instead uh, i don't think that would have necessarily taken anything away from blofeld's arc but let's just say again his introduction that's iconic <laughs> coming in there no words <laughs> looking very proper very sophisticated and poking a man's eyes out i yeah i agree i would have loved that as a gimmick you know this guy throws a hat this guy has a yo-yo saw this guy pokes men's eyes out uh, he's definitely going to go down as one of the more memorable henchmen, I think, of both the Pierce Brosnan and the Daniel Craig's, if that's the modern era of Bond. Uh, so I think all around, the villains were very interesting in this movie. Uh, it might have been a little bit too much if you wanted to build Blofeld, but even just having Blofeld with a smaller role in this than we saw with Silver or Lachif before, even with then Dominic Green, the smaller role is not a problem because this is, again, how Blofeld started. How much screen time did Donald Pleasance have and he only looked twice? I think this is appropriate if they're intending to use Blofeld going forward. I think the Denby character annoyed me, not just in annoying um, as the character. That guy is such a slime ball. just looking at him. It's just like, ugh. Um, but not the character, just the way it happened because I'm like we all called it our uh, Denby as Spectre. Um, three months ago and then I was watching this and I'm thinking well maybe he's not Spectre and I, I kind of like this new thing they're expanding MI6 we've got a new letter we've got C to join M and Q and I was thinking he's not really a villain per se but he is a bad guy he's trying to screw up the double O program and stuff like that and I'm thinking yeah this is kind of a, a, a new thing for Bond and kind of having this kind of sub story and I was Really enjoying that. And then Blofeld, oh, yeah, Denby, he's Spectre too. And I'm like, oh, did you have to do that? Like, I know that was, in the end, pretty much the main plot was this technology stuff. But I think the character of Denby would have worked so much better as a subplot going on here and a new member of the – maybe he could have been a recurring character who 
was like M's kind of nemesis or rival or something. So I was disappointed that their cheap way out of that was, oh, yeah, he's Spectre. Because, as we said, Andrew Scott was a big name coming into it and then they could have done, just had him as a British like top snobby guy, but whatever. Um, Mr. Hintz, I don't think they even said his name in the film, which is bizarre. But No. I, this is one thing where I wish I didn't watch the trailer and the pre stuff because I had so much high expectations for him. It's not like he was bad, but it was just he chased Bond for a few scenes and then he had a cool fight on a train. Like, you were expecting so much more. Like, I, I don't know if you called Dave Batista a big name actor, but he is, he has become well known. And you were expecting, oh, yeah, this is the return of the henchman. This is going to be like Blofeld's number two or his henchman, his loyal henchman or something. Um, and it just really wasn't. It was just a guy trying to kill Mr. White and Bond and was in a few scenes. So that was kind of disappointing. And it's going to be a debatable one on the kill count because I could still see them bringing back Mr. Hinks. Um I don't want them to. I think they should end it there. But I could see it happening, though. Um, and he's a very different character to what I thought he was going to be. I thought he was just going to be this brute kind of odd job character. But he's kind of like a sophisticated, almost, mm-hmm. guy. And his backstory would be interesting if he's worked his way into Spectre. Like, it's not like he's this low-level guy. He's high up there. So it was an interesting character and probably the best henchman of the Craig era. Um, like, who else? The only? <laughs> uh, you could say Demetrius or... Um, Green. <laughs> Green, yeah, technically, yeah. <laughs> well, Mr. White is a henchman, I guess. Yeah. So he's pretty good. But Mr. Hinks is at least a classic henchman, but he is not going to go down as one of the all-time greats, the odd job, the Jaws, the um, Hans and Vargas and all that. That was a joke, by the way. Um, so, yeah, he was he was a decent character. One thing I just want to quickly say is that uh, talking about sort of adding scenes and sort of things that might have worked, um, there were two that sort of we came up for with Denby and, and Blofeld slash Overhauser. With Denby, like, wouldn't it have been sort of, a, sort of a plot twist? Like, we find out he's evil, you know, like it is, but uh, you know, he's only actually doing it to infiltrate Spectre and he's actually been good the whole time and, you know, they could have worked that into it. And with the whole um, Overhauser thing kind of, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, okay, he's Blofeld. Like, have it so that at the end we see then a scene of Christoph Bolt walking into a room with, uh, like, an unseen bald guy, like, patting a cat, like, going, you have failed me, Oberhauser, or something like that. Like, I don't know, and then just not reveal who it is. So then we're like, fuck, who the hell's Blofeld? We have to find out in Spectre 2. Um, but, yeah, that's just two bits I thought would have worked good. Yeah, uh, Christoph Waltz is the perfect Blofeld, but I do agree if you did a callback to, um, like, from Russia with Love, Thunderball, and you have... Somehow Christoph Waltz gets away and he is Oberhauser. Um, and yeah, you have that guy, you failed me, or I'm your boss. We've never really met like the money petty thing. Allow me to introduce myself. My name is Ernst James Bomb will return and don't show his face. That could have been good, but Christoph Waltz. Or it's Idris Elba. <laughs> yeah, that was our <laughs> other theory. Blofeld is Idris Elba. <laughs> Todd, I can't be Bond. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, and I, I, would, I would talk about Blofeld. I haven't talked about him yet. But one thing I said to you, Ben, and we could maybe get some quick opinions before I talk about Christoph, is did it need to be Blofeld? Could this villain have been Franz Oberhauser, who was, like, grew up with Bond? Like, did it have to be Ernst Everett Blofeld? Yeah, they've got the Spectre rights and McClory, and they've got the Blofeld rights, but... Could Oberhauser have been a new villain for a new era of Bond? Um, I, yeah, but I, I like it. Nostalgia factor is brilliant. Like, and if you've got a film called Spectre, you've got to have Blofeld in there. Like, any Bond fan, is, as soon as they heard that title being announced, does that mean we're going to have Blofeld? It's a reboot. So, I mean, I see your point. It could work. But um, to me, it's just you have to have him in there. And we were all expecting... <laughs> Spectre, um, it to happen that there would be Blofeld. So, yeah, just for that fact alone, I think it's good that they brought Blofeld back. I think if this were the first film of Daniel Craig, then maybe you could hold off a little bit, but they know they're at least coming to the end of his time as Bond if they haven't come to the end already. And if they want to reboot with somebody else after this, or not even reboot, continue it on... Um, you don't want to wait too long for Blofeld. I think to include this as a way to, whether it's in this film or the next one, cap off Daniel Craig's era as Bond. Uh, it's something people have waited for, as you said, been a long time. And uh, it, it would be nice if it was the first one, but we've come this far and we are tying it to quantum and everything else. Uh, I think that Blofeld needs to be in this. Plus, who knows if they simply went to Christoph Waltz early in production and said, can we get you in this movie? once they have them, they're like, well, let's make them Blofeld because then we'll have them for the next one. So it might have had a lot to do just with the cast and they had the right actor available at the right time. So was it disappointing? Because like you guys in our preview said he wouldn't be Blofeld. I think we deep down thought he would be. Pretty much every Bond fan (laughs) thought. Yeah, now you're saying you knew that he would be. No, no. Well, in all fairness, I'm I'm not making excuses, but I I was gonna say yes, but then you said yes, so I'm like, no, I'll say no. But like, I I deep down thought he would be. Yeah, pretty much every Bond. It was in the media the day after. Christoph Waltz is going to be playing Blofeld. Everyone thought it was going to be happening, and then that's when the doubt came in. Well, everyone thinks it, so it mustn't be. Was it disappointing then in the end? Like, how good would this reveal have been? I am Blofeld. Ah! Like, if we didn't know anything, but I guess there's no way around that. They had to market this film as Spectre and Christoph Waltz and everything. Um, yeah, it's another interesting question. Like, I don't want to say it's disappointing. I think it was more just a case of, ah, yeah, okay. Yeah, like, that was our reaction. Yeah, because, I mean, I just, I really think that in the grand scheme of things, like you sort of mentioned about, you know, oh, Demby could be Blofeld. Like, there's there's really nobody else in this film that could have been him in terms of acting ability or just as an actor. Like, I, I probably would have been more disappointed if fucking Demby is fucking oh, Blofeld. Yeah. Like, fuck off. Um, but, look... Yeah, on the grand scheme of things, Christoph Waltz, I think you just said it, is the perfect Blofeld. Um, can I put it out there already? Best Blofeld ever. Um, mm. Sorry, Terry Savalas and everybody else, but um, he's Terry? just such a good act, such a good good actor. Like, 
Oh, anyway, you just you you made me lose my point. Um, but yeah, he's just such a good actor that I, I think if you were to sort of like that top, we watched the top ten actors who should be James Bond. If you would have a top ten actors who should be Blofeld, he would probably be number one even before they bring him there. So uh, I think we've kind of become accustomed to this now. You know, this is a modern age where everything's spoiled and everybody's overanalyzing going. And I remember with the Dark Knight Rises, there was all this talk that. You know, Joseph Gordon-Levitt was going to be Robin and uh, that uh, um, Maria Cotillard was going to be Tally Al Ghul. And then they were like, no, they're playing different characters. And of course, you find out at the end, spoiler alert, they actually are. And we had the same thing with Skyfall as well. It was as soon as Naomi Harris was cast, it was like, she's going to be the new Money Penny. And then, well, no, she's not Money Penny. And you find out in the last scene she is. So I'm kind of used to this point. We find out that it is early on and then they kind of convince us it might not be. So I don't think it was really disappointing. I think more than anything I had maybe in the back of my head, I was 50 50 on it, but I was prepared for him not being Blofeld. So when the cat showed up, I was still questioning it. Even when the cat showed up, I'm like, Oh, is he going to reveal there's somebody else sitting there with him? So either way, the reveal of it being Blofeld, not in the last scene, but maybe two thirds of the way through, I think that helped a little bit. Well, I'll just add some thoughts on it um i wasn't surprised at all we both looked at each other ben and uh yeah um personally i'm not a fan at all of the bond was the stepbrother of the biggest criminal evil genius in the world um i was not a fan of that and it's pretty much austin powers plot um and i feel like they didn't dive into that enough if you're gonna bring it up then get into it like Blofeld was just a little jelly of his stepbrother and now he's the biggest evil genius in the world. Like, uh, Maybe I'd need to rewatch it if there's some more subtleties there, but it was kind of underdeveloped that bit. Well, that's what the next one's for too. Uh, yeah, probably the next five. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess so, but I feel like if you're going to bring it up, like, let's just make this one about the origins and make next one about his evil genius plan or something. Don't don't really phase this out over three films or something. Not that I don't want him to come back or anything, but like, yeah, don't hold off information. I don't think, um, I think he's every single scene he was in was amazing. He owns the screen. He was the best actor slash character in this film. And I, I know we're saying this is the first one of a chapter, but so underutilized just because I want to see more, more, more. Um, Roger Moore. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I wouldn't mind seeing him in it. Roger Moore as Blofeld. Um, (laughs) It was great. That that, uh, Spectre boardroom scene was amazing. The torture scene was great. Um, The scar at the end. I agree with Benny. They should have shaved his hair off because... Like, his hair probably would have got singed off anyway in that. That's what I was thinking with that explosion. I'm like, yeah. But just quickly on that, I think kind of as I said to you, like, they're going to bring him back in the next film, and the scene's going to be of him in prison in a cell, and they would have shaved his head by then, so he would be bald then. Well, I mean, Blofeld in From Russia with Love, Thunderball, was not bald yet. Well, we joked in our, I think it's You Only Live Twice, we said, oh, we're going to get Blofeld Origins and find out how he got the scar, (laughs) and... We, we did get Blofeld Origins and find out how we got his scar. Um, Next movie will be plastic surgery coming out of mud. I've got my scar fixed, <laughs> half-brother. 
It was great to get a pussy in there as well. That was really fun. Um, that was a funny scene. So I was a huge fan of this Blofeld, and I can't wait to see him again, but I almost feel like if Craig's going to come back, and that's something we'll talk about in this episode, maybe later, if he is going to come back, just have Christoph Waltz for one more and wrap it up. If it's going to be another actor, then maybe, yeah, he could stay in it for a few more. But I don't want him to be in, like, every Bond film for the next 15 years or something. So I'm very excited to have him back again. But I'm not sure how much they can do with him. But it's going to be very exciting in the next film. If they even do it, maybe they'll have someone else, like a Silver, and then we'll skip it. Um, And we'll talk about Spectre as an organisation and Silver, because that annoyed me, but... Yeah, who knows what they're going to do with the character, but I think it was a really great villain for a Bond film. Craig's had some pretty good villains. He's definitely up there. I'm not sure if he's my favourite Blofeld, but he's up there. And I preferred him over Silver and Green and probably Le Chief too, so he was great. Over Green's not hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if we remember who he is. Um, Even the creators of James Bond have forgotten who Green is now. So. <laughs> uh yeah, that's what you need to watch out for, Colin, if, when you rewatch it. How many mentions of Dominic Green are in there? <laughs> we'll have a green count to see who pops the martinis. Yeah. <laughs> when we get to Quantum Results, we're just going to be laughing every time we talk about it. Ah, you get forgotten about in two movies. <laughs> Let's talk Bond Girls. Uh, there was two main ones. There was a little one in the pre-title sequence, which they didn't get together, but uh, she was okay, I guess. That was screen time. The Monica Bellucci. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> what was her name? We did mention her in our Spectre episode. I'm blanking on it right now, but um, I have it right here. Her name is Estrella. Yeah, that's it. We did mention this oh, mysterious character, and then she was just in the pre-titles. Um, again, it would have been perfect if he came back to her at the end of that sequence. But anyway, so. Apparently, Monica Bellucci was in this film. I I missed it. Um, this was so hyped up. It was like, Monica Bellucci is in James Bond. This is like the other woman all over again. This was Terry Hatchett in, like, um, what, one scene, two scenes. Um, Terry Hatchett was in three. <laughs> Monica Bellucci was good. She was looking very fine in... Um, Rock, fine. Yeah, she was rocking it. But, like, yeah, way to blow things out of proportion. It was just, yes, this was my husband. Now they're going to kill me. Go to Spectre. Um, she was good while she lasted, but I think most people were expecting her to have a fairly pretty big role in the film. Um, and the main talking point would be Madeline Swan my favourite Leia Seydoux, which this is where I need to rewatch the film or at least wait a bit. I've got mixed feelings on on her. I don't know if I really loved her and she's like a top five, top ten, or if I thought it was kind of a bit disappointing. Um, When she was good, she was really good in her scenes, but I do not for the life of me buy this love story that's going on. Um... I really like the whole thing of Craig saying, I'm going to protect your daughter. But then it seems so forced. I d- they have chemistry, Craig and Leia or Bond and uh, Swan. But 
was it a love story? I did not buy that. And I feel like he's still not over... Obviously, this film, a lot of it was overcoming Vespa once and for all. But I don't know. It was just... my And my theory that I talked to you, Ben, about is I feel like Madeline Swan is doomed to get killed in the next Bond film in which it becomes Honor Majesty's Secret Service sequel that's not Diamonds Are Forever. Like, I don't see how she lives, like... If they're going to bring her character back, it's going to be because she gets killed. But I could be proven wrong, but that's what I'm feeling a lot, that we're going to get a sequel to Honor Majesty's Secret Service. So maybe just to summarise my thoughts, there's so much to speak about here, but I'll just say I did like the character. I thought she was good in some bits. She's very attractive. She made for an interesting character and a good Bond girl. It's just I'm not sure if I bought this kind of relationship here. And then... Ben, you said to me earlier, you're right, she did kind of become the damsel in distress by the end of the film and let's jump into a net. I, I said that I almost would have preferred it when she said goodbye at the end. That was the last we saw of her because that would have made for a very unique Bond girl that she just leaves towards the end. Um, but, yeah, so that's my thoughts. I do like Madeline Swan. I'm not sure if I loved her, though, or the love story. Um Estrella or Estrella, whatever her name is, she was in the film. That's good for her. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, look, Monica Bellucci, like, yeah, you. This, this is seriously, I'm not even just joking this to say this. This is Terry Hatcher all over again. Terry Hatcher was hyped. She's, in the, she's a Bond girl. Like, she was a very big actress at the time. And she's in it for three scenes. This is exactly the same. Like, she was, she could have been used so much more. And... Even even the fact, like, I was just expecting her to be found, like, two scenes later dead, a la Terry Hatcher. Um, there was no resolution. There wasn't. And, like, the fact, too, that we get this, like, Felix drop. Like, oh, Felix is going to be in the movie. We weren't expecting this. Yeah. And he wasn't. <laughs> like, show him going off and trying to forget about Dulu. Um, <laughs> or is her new identity that of Dulu? She's Ding. Yes. Monica Bellucci like, is Ding. We we might actually have a recurring Monica Bellucci. Like, she's the new um, Sylvia. Like, just showing up every now and then. Um, yeah, it's, I was disappointed because I like I like Monica Bellucci. She looks absolutely amazing for 50-51. Like, God damn it. Um, but I just wish they used them all. And I, I actually really like that scene with her and Craig, like when he's like seducing her and still, still giving him information. And meanwhile, he's like taking the clothes off and pinning her against the mirror. And then the <laughs> scene where she's like in the, that, that, whatever that was, that lingerie, like, wow. Hello. Um, can, I just, do- can I just point out, Leia do in the dress at Blofeld's, uh, yes. mansion, Spectre base. Woo! Um, yeah, I was disappointed in terms of of what I think we were expecting. Um, I'm not. I didn't dislike her. I liked her. Um, top ten? Not sure. I'm going to have to watch it again. Probably not. Um, because I think ultimately, as you just said, no. I think she turned into a damsel in distress by the end of it. Um, and the love story. Yeah, I thought it was forced, particularly when she's just like, "I love you." Like. It's it's kind of we've got so many of these Bond women over the years that you know ultimately you can tell they're meant to be in love but they never say the words unless they're um, Tracy unless they're Vespa like 
that's kind of what it is. And if you kind of analyse the Craig films now, like, I know he doesn't say it back, but in half of the, the Craig films, he's in love. Like, this is James Bond. Like, not meant to fall in love that often. Um, I know it's a reboot, but still, like, yeah. It's just, there's just something about it that just didn't work for me. And the fact, too, you've also got to imagine that she's probably only meant to be, like, in her very early 20s and Bond's in her He's like, four, so he's like, you know, he's boned an older woman and a younger woman in this film. Like, he's a bit bipolar in his taste in this movie. Um, you know, like, I mean, we see the scene there with the gun and obviously, you know, she's killed. Like, I like the fact that there was decent backstory. Like, I really like that element to it. But, you know, the fact that we see her with the gun and, you know, obviously shooting Hinks, but then kind of by the end of it, that's completely forgotten. And she's just, yeah, damsel in distress by the end of it. So I'm very mixed on her. I think she, Leia was great, like great acting. Like she was fantastic in the role. Um, she, I mean, she is a great actress anyway. Like we all knew that. Well, at least those have seen Blue is the Warmest Colour. Um, but... <laughs> yeah, I and I guess Mission Impossible too. That you know, yeah. <laughs> hello Colin. Um, but yeah, I I think I agree with Noah though that uh, next movie she's back and she's dead. So <laughs> calling it now, four years before it happens. Noah Groves said it first. Double Oz Seven said it first. Um, my wife had stronger reactions to these Bond girls than I did. Uh, she came out of it saying that uh, Leia Sadu was way hotter in Mission Impossible, apparently, than she was in this movie. And she, <laughs> she came out of it... pretty hot in this movie. It, well, she came out of it, it saying it was Monica gone. Bellucci. She's like, that's the most disappointing thing about this entire movie. And I didn't really have the same reaction. I expected her to be in maybe one more scene than this, maybe to pop up later on. But, I mean, this is the role that I think she's... If this is a traditional Bond movie, this is the role she's supposed to fill. She's really in this no more or less than uh, uh what's her name uh golden girl gold figure i'm drawing i'm keep thinking tilly with tilly's tilly. sister killy what tilly no the sister Not the hopper jill the sister <laughs> jill jill there you go baby baby yeah i mean jill baby. is considered to be iconic and she's in this less than uh less than Monica Bellucci is. I'm really drawing a blank on names today. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, th- this is the role she was meant to fill, the secondary Bond girl, the kind of tragic Bond girl. I still did have a slight complaint about it that it is unresolved, and that's not really something we ever see. The only theory could be, you know, that mentioned that, well, Felix, because you could interpret it one way or the other. She says, it doesn't matter what you do, I'll be dead in five minutes as soon as you're gone, or you can interpret it. Well, I'll make a call to my friend Felix and then we can protect you, but it's not resolved. And I think that that was the only thing that I would have liked to even see one scene. Even if you don't see her, maybe at the end when he's talking about, you know, all the women in your life who have died because of you and they show her picture or mention her, that would have been something appropriate. The only reason they might not have done that is maybe they do have plans for a sequel. I don't see any way that that really works, but it's a possibility that she could come back, I guess. But I thought for the time she was on screen, she was great. I thought her character was great. I thought her performance was fantastic. And they really did up the ante with the love scenes in this film with both the scene with uh, Monica Bellucci and the one where Bond and uh, Madeline are basically ripping each other apart after apparently getting really horny at killing people. <laughs> we know what we know what does it for Madeline. Uh, she's a bit of a masochist. Um, those scenes were unique. And you can only have Bond 
getting it on with a woman so many times before it just becomes the same thing over and over again. And both of those scenes were very unique. So I think both the characters really fulfilled their purpose. I do think that uh, Madeline Swan was, again, I'm kind of torn just like you guys are. I've been thinking about this for a week and I finally came up with a theory yesterday for why I think that her character doesn't necessarily work as well. And it does come down to the, that love story not being believable. I think it's ultimately that they overwrote her character in terms of the story and underwrote her character in terms of the script, meaning the character's importance in the story and how important she's supposed to be to Bond. The idea they had for the story was that she would be this huge character like Vesper or Tracy. But when it came down to the script, again, it was just so many, maybe overambitious, so many things to do. You have to have Blofeld. You have to have a henchman. You have to have Monica Bellucci in there for two scenes. You know, you have to have... (laughs) the the whole specter organization you have to have mi6 with a purpose you have to have all those characters you have to tie up possibly tie up daniel craig's time and in the end they just didn't have enough time to deal with her character the way that they could have that's kind of because she's introduced halfway through the film as well and maybe that was a problem if they wanted to go this route but again she serves a purpose because we're questioning if she comes back is she going to be killed in the first scene or I mean, there's no doubt they're not going to reuse her for an entire film, but you at least have that option. You could write her out entirely if Craig comes back, or you could develop her into being the next Tracy. So, I mean, both of the characters do work. I think, again, this is where you guys will probably stone me. I mean, uh, if I'm coming out of this thinking about one of the Bond girls, it's probably still Moneypenny over Swan and uh, Lucia. Yeah, no. <laughs> no, I actually agree. Money Penny was almost again another Bond girl in this life. She was the first time. Um, Didn't sleep with Bond, not a Bond girl. Well, she has at one point in time. Well, debatable, but um, one thing I would like to quickly touch on. We don't need to dwell on this too much, but I want to get some opinions. Um, I read some reviews beforehand, and people really talked up the humour. And I wish I didn't read those reviews because I was kind of let down. I'm like, oh, I thought this was going to be like a damn near comedy film. But there's no denying compared to the other three Craigs, they've really upped the ante in the humour here. Not as much as I thought, but I'd love to get... I've seen mixed re- uh, reviews and just in this last two hours I've been reading different opinions and that. I freaking loved it. This was more James Bond... Daniel Craig this time was more James Bond. I thought the couch was funny, um, the mouse and Mickey Mouse and <laughs> C and stuff like that. I freaking love that they have more humour in this film. And next film, I need more of this. This is this is what I like. This is more of a James Bond film. It's still very different to any other James Bond film, but it's more what I like. And I think... Craig was also always hesitant on the human. He could have done more, but I think he does it perfectly fine. I was very impressed, and I thought it was great. The couch is one of my favorites. Yeah, I agree. And, um, I mean, I sort of said to you, one thing I think Daniel Craig needs to learn to do is smile. Um, but other than that, smile yeah, like no. Timothy Dalton. Please, no. <laughs> At least Dalton smiles. Um, and, and also, he needs to drop one-liners. Like, yeah. that's missing. That is... Uh, what was your one? Uh, your name should oh, be no, Max with, with him, Deadby. When he killed with Deadby. Or makes him Deadby. <laughs> like, I don't know. Um, but other than that, yeah, like, as you meant, the couch. Oh, God, we keep talking about it. Um, it's fucking just... It's so... It was so good. Um, I love the... Bushed. 
old man being pushed. I love the wave he gave that guy at the funeral, just a little throwaway wave. I love the whole stuff in the car when he's like pressing all the buttons and it starts playing. It's like playlist reserved for. Oh my god, it was hilarious. Um, and yeah, the, the whole mouse rat thing, the Mickey Mouse bit. Oh, it was good. And like, I've seen Craig in some things where he's like some sort of uh, charity bits where he's been funny. Like, Craig actually can be quite funny. Um, and this is a really weird comparison because probably the only real film I have seen Daniel Craig outside of James Bond is Tomb Raider. But like, he shows with his role of Alex West that he's kind of like this charismatic sort of cocky guy that's also a bit like, you know, you can probably pull off a bit of humour. Whereas I'm not saying he never has as Bond, but he's really, I think, now as Bond showing that. And as you said, Noah, like, he really is James Bond now, um, which is going to make it when we get to our you know, Craig era films and properly do them and do our sort of Craig retrospective episode, how that's going to sort of maybe change some perceptions, particularly of Noah and I, what we think of Craig. But um, yeah, I, I I don't know if I'd read as many reviews saying it was funny as sort of maybe as you were saying, Noah, but um, I, I was very impressed that they really amped that up because yeah, there has been some humour in some Craig films before, but it's very like limited and I'm glad they amped it up a lot in this film. Uh, well, first of all, I don't think that any Bond needs to smile. I mean, Sean Connery probably had three smiles in, what, six, seven films. Um, I think the only Bond that really smiled was Timothy Dalton, and I- I've given my opinions on that before. But I think that Bond's always had a little bit of humor, and that's, I don't really get this perception. It, maybe it's not Pierce Brosnan humor or Roger Moore, but you go back to Casino Royale, you know, he had the Miss Stephanie Broadchest line and everything, and he had his banter with M. It's it's not flat-out jokes, but he's having fun even in Casino Royale. He's enjoying his job. Not as much in Quantum of Solace, but even in Quantum of Solace, he had, like, it was a dead-end line and all that. Um, the humor in this, if it was oversold, I think that could only be just, again, a misinterpretation of uh, humor because it's not jokes. But overall, the movie just has a lighter tone than the previous three. It's not as serious. As I said at the beginning, it's the storyline just as a whole, the villain a little bit more over the top, a little bit more cartoony, and the movie's kind of quirky. You mentioned the scene in the car. It's not like he's delivering one-liners and there's all these jokes, but in the middle of this great action scene, you have these quirky things that are happening You know, with the gadgets that you don't expect, and it just it, it makes the tone of the movie lighter overall. And Even in the, the fight scene with Hanks, I mean, you had a couple of laughs in there. So I think the idea that this is a more humorous movie has more to do with the fact that you can just simply enjoy it more. It's more of uh, kind of a fantasy film than anything else. But uh, overall, I mean, I, I think that Craig's always handled the humor pretty well. It's just, it's it's not Roger Moore one-liners. It is more in line with Connery, but just a little bit less on the, the, the hokey uh, puns. I don't think there's really anything else that separates the two. The movie has more action scenes, I think, than anything, any of the Craig's other than Quantum of Solace would quantum assaults was a bunch of three minute action scenes these have a couple of big ones in here you know we talked already about the pre-title sequence but then there's also the car chase that i just talked about uh there's the fight scene with hanks on the train there's the snow chase uh there's obviously the end climax um the movie had just really only a couple of main action scenes but they were big and they were elaborate so overall i guess we could talk about our feelings on the action as a whole and 
Again, this is where I'm a little bit more divided. I think the movie as a whole was very well balanced for everything, but this is uh, my complaint is more a compliment than anything else because I think that the first two action scenes, the pre-title sequence and the car chase were so strong. Uh, some of the best I've seen in Bond in a long time that I think the next two, you know, the, the escape from Peace Gloria and the final climax didn't really have as much of an impression on me, but those two were more about the story at that point. Uh, but I think in particular the car chase, like we talked about all the quirks in there with the, the car itself. And my favorite moment, maybe the entire film, right up there with Daniel Craig adjusting his uh, cuffs when he drops in the train in Skyfall is just him randomly parachuting and then just ripping the thing off and continuing <laughs> to walk right after the car plummets into the river. Uh, I did like the snow chase as well, though. I just... For whatever reason, it didn't grab my attention. So a lot of times I'm like, okay, well, with the car chase, every moment you're like, wow, that's interesting. That's interesting. Where is it felt to me like that was more of a quantum solace. Here's a random action scene we can put in there. But overall, I was expecting the climax to be when it was the Spectre base, as we saw, you know, where he everything explodes. And that was very brief. Uh, the main climax did catch me more off guard. And I wasn't sure how I felt about it as an action scene. Uh, because it is just sort of a couple of people shooting each other and all that. But just the fact that we're in the old MI6 location, you know, you did mention the net. I mean, the net would probably be there because people are working in this location. They're still cleaning things up. So it made sense for a net to be there. The fact that it just randomly was there is probably what bothered you more than anything else. But at least in the context of what that building was, it makes sense. But I love the final climax, just how there are all the pictures everywhere. And again, it just felt like the theatricality of Blofeld was really sold in this. This is an over-the-top villain who's going to do over-the-top things because he's a psychological villain. It wasn't about a big fight between two guys. It was psychological, and he was messing with Bond. And it just looked great on scene, to, on the screen, to have turning every corner and seeing these pictures and everything. I love that. I think um, I was not underwhelmed by the action, but I wasn't like flabbergasted by the action <laughs> worst word ever to use um it was just kind of yeah there was action scenes in it this was one of the most toned down bonds we've had in a very long time maybe since roger moore perhaps um but like you mentioned the snow one like that should have been a huge one it's like it's daniel craig in a plane against a car and it was good but it was just yeah, it was. It happened for a few minutes. I think the train fight I really enjoyed. I think that was great. Bond versus Hinks was really good. It had a great end to it. Shit out the out the train. But again, it was kind of like being there, done that better. Like they've done that fight better in the past. So I did enjoy it, but it wasn't amazing. I really enjoyed the car one. That was great. Um, but a lot of that was just talking to Moneypenny, which was funny scenes, but could they not have done bigger stunts during the car stuff? I'm not sure because, like, a lot of it was just the funny moments, but I really enjoyed it. Like, that would have potential to be a Hall of Fame. I don't want to pick apart the car scene too much. It was really fun. Um, I said to Ben that I almost wish that the climax was a traditional Sean Connery where... Bond and Leia escape, but they don't blow up the Spectre base, and then they gather an army who go in to fight against Spectre for a big over-the-top battle, which we haven't had in a long time. 
But you um, and that would be just so typical for that to be the big final climax base battle. But I think it would have been great. But what they did do though it was, again, yeah, as you said, it was more personal. It wasn't like lots of people getting killed or anything, but it was a very exciting, like, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes climax, like, um, with everything that happened with M and the, and the crew and Demby's demise and then Blofeld in the helicopter. So the actual climax was very exciting. But again, nothing blew me away in terms of the action think the action in this film was fine. There was nothing bad about it at all, but there was nothing that particularly standed out for me. Yeah, I probably would agree with you. Um, I mean, the car chase was great and it was funny, um, but yeah, I kind of felt a bit underwhelmed by the car chase, to be what? honest, um, <laughs> particularly when it came to like the, the sort of the, the riverbank racing and all that sort of stuff and I mean, I appreciated it more for its humour than I did for sort of its action, I guess. Um, the, the snow star, I, I mean, I thought that was great with the plane and the way he's, like, flying it towards them and then he sort of manages to go through the building and then take out the cars. I thought that was fantastic. Um, and I I, I, lo- I actually really liked the, the finale, though, like, kind of saying to Noah that, I mean, the Craig Films finales aren't really overly brilliant i feel like i mean yeah the the whole um venice building that's probably his best one because i mean then you look at it he his finale was in a hotel his finale was in a house um so now he's you know obviously got the old shell of the old mi6 building um and the explosion just was fantastic and the explosion of the uh the spectre facility was amazing too um world record too was it yeah, they just announced that the other day that that was a world record for the biggest explosion in movie history. Oh, wow. We're back to the world records again. There we go. <laughs> yeah. Didn't know that. Great, great to hear. Um, but, I mean, the, the train one was probably my standout in terms of, uh, again, Bond on trains. Just don't catch trains, Bond. Like, is there has there been one James Bond movie on a train that has not involved a fight or a blow up like there's not one James Bond film on a train that hasn't had something bad happen to it. So, yeah, I'm never catching a train with Sean Connery, Roger Moore, Timothy Dalton, Pierce Brosnan, Daniel Craig, Lazenby. Not that I ever would have a chance. But let's be honest there. Um, but yeah, <laughs> but that fight was awesome. That was great. And um, the thing with that fight though, that and even kind of in the tone of the music you really got a sense that Bond was fucked. Like, it's almost like he even sort of not necessarily gave up, but there was just a moment in that fight where it was kind of like, whoa, okay, then Bond is getting his ass whooped here. Mm-hmm. He's he's not even within a chance here. Um, but I, I just, that's probably my standout for it and the end bit. But, um, yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting, I think, um, that when you look at the overall aspect of the action and that, and it's kind of like the over, there's no real over the top top action, but it was still enjoyable action. Just one more thing to add on the fight that is just a minor thing that I liked for whatever reason. The fact that Hinks knocks out Swan with one punch, <laughs> and in any other movie, she's knocked out and she's out of the action sequence for good. So I think that the fact that she came back after that was kind of surprising because you don't ever see that in Bond movies. If somebody's knocked out, they're like, okay, you're going to be out for the rest of the sequence. We should uh, probably talk story here if this film had much of uh, a, 
well, not where it had a lot of story, but did this film have much of a villain plot? Um, it was a bit not underwhelming. It was just kind of like, oh, yeah, this ties in with the Denby stuff. It's the security, the surveillance. I guess in a film called Spectre, you Spectre, Spectre, you were expecting um, this massive, like, this is the biggest criminal organisation in the world, the secret society almost. You're expecting there was going to be like a world domination plot, and I guess that's maybe next film, which we'll get to. But, yeah, it was kind of just like, eh. This is, like, the, the plots of Bond films are very toned down. Like, nowadays it's like, kill M, um, surveillance, win money at a casino, like... They don't really do that grandiose plot nowadays in Bond. Um, maybe they tried it with Quantum, but didn't really work. So I don't have too much to add there. It was just whatever. I don't want to pick this apart too much because I did enjoy this film. It sounds like we're being super negative. But the one thing I wanted to really talk about is Spectre. Spectre, Spectre is they pretty much like retconned the entire Craig era and we pretty much guessed it that they would do that with Quantum. Um, in some ways I found this kind of lazy. It was just, oh yeah, everything before, yep, that was us. And then they, they didn't really touch it. Was, they just kept saying, yeah, that was us. They didn't really go into much detail of how, like, I want to know how Silver was involved in Spectre. That annoyed me how they had Silver because we, we talked about how Skyfall was kind of the, the gold finger of this film, of of the Craig era, the standalone one in the middle of the 50th anniversary. And the trailer made it look like this would be a sequel to Skyfall, like personal effects recovered from Skyfall. And then we're pleasantly surprised that it really didn't have too much to do with Skyfall. So I was annoyed they put Silver in there. And I feel like they could have developed this quantum thing more like, is Quantum Spectre or is Quantum still its own thing? Like what was Lashif really really doing? Um, it was just like, oh, yes, that was ours. And then it was kind of like, isn't Bond supposed to have been around the block for a while now? Was it only the, these villains that were Spectre or has he fought for other Spectre people or what? So I think we saw it coming that they were always going to retcon the, the Craig era to fit with the Spectre film, but it was kind of a bit lazy in my eyes. Yeah, in terms of sort of the overall villain plot, I mean, it was essentially people wanted to spy on people. Um, <laughs> it's a James Bond film. He's a spy. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, and and really at the end of the day, um, that's really what governments do, isn't it, for the most part? So it's nothing completely new. Ooh, <laughs> Ooh they're watching us on cameras. Um, I'm scared. Um <laughs> Yeah, we really sound like we're picking the shit out of this film. Double <laughs> Seven, the Negative Nelly podcast. Um, but it's like the whole Spectre thing. Like, I agree, agree with you with Silver. Like, you know, when we had that, I mean, Colin, you talked up a lot, kind of, with these films, how you could sort of really, you know, compare them to the first three Connery films. How sort of Goldfinger was a standalone film, and then we go back into everything with Thunderball and. You know, it's sort of always long been rumored, obviously, with Goldfinger that he's part of that he was part of Spectre because obviously it was rumored that he was wearing a Spectre ring and sort of never been confirmed. But yeah, with the whole Silver situation that he was part of everything, like it just 
does that ruin Skyfall? Like, I don't know, because now next time you watch Skyfall, you're going to be like, well, hang on a minute, he's actually part of this, and oh, 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 let's see if we can pick any clues. Yeah, his, his boss is James Bond's stepbrother. Yeah, and, like, what makes Silver such a great villain is he has this vendetta against one person, essentially, to, to, to really wreak that revenge. And, again, he succeeds. We'll get to Skyfall. I still call it that he's the only James Bond villain that actually succeeds in what he was planning to do. Um, and now just thinking about it, it's like, well, the whole time then he's actually with them. Like, I don't know, like, even if they had have said, like, Silva was with us, but he left or like, or we tried to recruit him, but you know, he didn't, I don't know, like something there, but, um, yeah, uh, look, they're setting it up. You can, they're, they're obviously setting it up for a lot more, um, Roger Moore. Um, but one thing too, also with Spectre, you never actually hear what it stands for. So Noah and I are joking. Oh, what's this actually going to really stand for? Like super people expecting cool times, reeking energy. Um, I don't know. I feel like if they do announce it, they will change what it does to update it. Well, although I'd really think though it kind of probably works a lot nowadays, especially with the terrorism part. Um, but yeah, look, it. It wasn't giant lasers destroying demilitarized zones in the Korean Peninsula, but, um, you know, I think at the end of the day, I think they're just basically, they've come into it going, okay, we need Spectre, we need to introduce Blofeld, we need to do this, he's tied to James Bond's future. Oh, and at the same time, we'll also put a bit of a plot in there to do with world domination, sort of. Well, I've definitely been the least critical on this podcast. Um, This is the point where I'll get a little bit more critical because... I don't think that the Spectre organization or their story was really sold in this. And in the defense of the filmmakers, they probably never intended to do that. I, I think that's more of the audience perception that the title could be misleading too. the fact that it's called Spectre. And we really don't get to know anything about what they're doing other than the fact that they're behind everything. I'm not really bothered as much by the Silva thing. I, I do like Silva standing on his own. Uh, but like, let's be honest, what we do learn about Spectre in this is that whole octopus thing. It has meaning because it's just, you have the head and you have all these different tentacles that all operate underneath it. And that's really what Spectre is. It's not that Spectre runs everything. And this is kind of the way it was even in the originals. I mean, Spectre wasn't necessarily, you know, the boss and Dr. No was under Dr. No was doing his own thing. And he was sort of an operative. Um, it wasn't Spectre's plot in that. Just like you say, even with Goldfinger, does his own thing. The quantum organization uh, is probably most closely tied to it. But even then, they're their own entity that operates underneath this. So I'm not that bothered by that. But the Spectre organization as a whole was not sold in this film well. I will argue that the quantum organization in Quantum of Solace, they handled that much better than they did in this. Because that's the one thing that I think anybody could say about Quantum Souls is that you got the gist of this big organization and it has all this reach and everything. And that movie was about all the power that Quantum has. We don't learn anything about the power Spectre has in this other than the fact that in terms of the story, they have one guy who's now inside the government, which was, you know, again, kind of what Quantum Solace already showed us. But I did like the whole Denby thing about the the spying and especially the fact that this is something we barely touched on that the double O section is closed down and that MI six is absolved early in the film, uh, probably won't stand that way after it's done, but 
that part of the story I really liked because we saw a little bit of that in Skyfall and I didn't really expect to see more. I thought that that could stand on its own in Skyfall as the whole questioning, do we even need double O agents anymore? Does MI6 even uh, have relevance? And that could have stood on its own in Skyfall, but they did elaborate on that. And I think that's where this is a sequel to Skyfall because it's about the fallout from that. And that even though M gave this really passionate speech in Skyfall, ultimately it didn't do any good. And now they're kind of closed down. And of course, it all came down to the the line they had early in the movie. And this is where I think the ending really does tie up the story of this well, where they said that, you know, every once in a while, it, the Skyfall is what you need somebody to pull the trigger. But this was every once in a while, you need somebody to know when not to pull the trigger. And that's what Bond does in the end, that he makes that decision. And ultimately, that I think is what the story is about. It's, it's more about MI6 and their relevance and you know what Spectre's trying to do in that and the fact that you do still need this organization so in the end i think it all came around but i think again this is something just like with monica bellucci where i think the hype of the movie and what people's perception was is the only thing that really hurt this i think if we had no expectations going in if we were watching this as you know teenagers like we watched all the others and we didn't really have anything to compare it to we probably wouldn't be as critical of it all right, well, I guess kind of from this point on, sort of getting to this is the end of, of this episode, because obviously we, we are going to be doing a proper recap like we're doing with every single one of these, um, but this is, again, just a reaction one. Um, where where do we go from here? Hello, Buffy fans. Where do we go from here? Never mind. Um, <laughs> I'm a Buffy fan. You just look like a massive tool right now. <laughs> <laughs> Really? None of you are Buffy? Oh, God, Jesus, get with it. Um, <laughs> Get with it. In them. the 90s. <laughs> wow, I just made myself sound like... Anyway, Um, yeah, so where do we go from here? Uh, they the really set it up, I guess, with the closing of it, that it could go really two ways here. We've, we've talked about the Leia Seydoux situation, setting it up for other ones and sort of driving off into the wind there with Bond. Um. But it also can really be seen as, and I think this is a perfect conclusion to Daniel Craig. Um, and maybe they've done this. Like, yeah, he's, I think, technically contracted for number 25, isn't he? But, you know, there's always speculation about it. It's nothing's concrete. We sort of debated whether or not he'll come back or not. I've sort of went on the record saying I don't know if he will, but I think both of you, I know Colin, you at least said he would, but I, don't, I can't remember what you said, Noah. Um, but, yeah, this, I think, would be a, a very healthy ending because i i think that's one thing i guess we you find in a lot of the well all the bond films really i i don't necessarily think if in the last movies of each of the actors they really have a proper closing whereas this one is almost like a okay that's wrapped up daniel craig bring in idris or something like that so not that i want that but <laughs> just, just putting it out there um and and one thing too i just want to quickly touch on the ending as well like it's it's implied, I guess, that he's he's left MI6 again. Like, <laughs> one thing again with Craig, he falls in love a lot and he likes to leave um, MI6 a lot. So, yeah. Uh, so, what do we think? What do we think, people? What's what's happening here with our uh, wanting to slit his wrist's favourite bond? This is what I've been waiting to talk about for the last week because uh, <laughs> going in, I did have the opinion. I was about 95 maybe even higher than that, 95% sure Craig was sticking around. And I still stand by a lot of the things that are making people think he's not sticking around, like some of his com comments will want to slit his wrists. 
Um, he's clarified a lot of that and, and it does make sense. I mean, you're not going to want to do it when you're coming off of a year and a half of working nonstop on one thing. But at the same time, I also said it was good promotion for the movie because it's got a lot of people questioning, is this Daniel Craig's last Bond film? And the fact that nobody was really reprimanding Craig for these things led me to believe that, and it still leads me to believe, that they all knew this was going to be a brilliant way to promote it, just have Daniel Craig throwing those uh, seeds out there of doubt. Uh, I'm a little bit less confident after the ending because I thought this was going to tie up and I'd be sure, okay, he's definitely coming back. I'm still confident he's coming back. I don't think there's any way that Daniel Craig doesn't want to be in the 25th Bond movie because that's as big of a deal, I think, as the 50th anniversary. This is the 25th film. Plus, he's clearly enjoying the role. I think my doubt comes from the fact that they did clearly write an ending that's meant to be interpreted both ways. And like you said, it could be Daniel Craig riding off into the sunset Um or it could be, yeah, he's going to continue from here because you know you still have Blofeld out there. You know you still have Swan and there's something to tie up there. So I probably went from 95% sure to 90% sure. But I'm still 90% sure that Craig will be back because I think he'll want to do this. And I think they've set it up so that it'll be very enticing for him to come back. Now, in terms of story, let's say it doesn't happen they are more well-equipped to deal with a new actor than they ever have been before. And they left this on big cliffhangers. And I think that's the impressive thing. Because you do have people in place that can keep the series grounded. It's not like you just have M and Money, Penny and Q like you had between Connery and Lazenby. You have a villain now that's in place. And I highly doubt that, that Christoph Waltz is signed on for only one film. Uh, we know he's coming back and there's no way you're going to have to recast Blofeld with this too. And, come up with the terrible honor majesty secret service well why doesn't he recognize bond and why doesn't bond recognize him apparently they both had plastic surgery uh the thing that really works with this is the madeline swan character because if you do recast daniel craig she's there too to ground this and connect the two two actors franchises together uh and there's no doubt that you could write her out but she's also there in case you want to continue on. And I think that's the most interesting thing about this is that it can be viewed both ways. And I think it's a satisfying conclusion or it's a satisfying continuation either way. If I'm leaning one way or the other, though, I still say Craig almost guaranteed to come back. And I want to see him come back just to tie up the whole Blofeld plot. Yeah. Well, firstly, I'm Madeline. If we never see her again, I will not be upset. I did like her character. Mm-hmm. But I don't like this idea of having this ongoing Bond girl thing. Like, this is not Sylvia Trench, 1963. Um, I know they're very different characters, so I'm just using that as an example. Like, But if she's back, fine. It's not going to be the end of the world. It's just I'm not yearning to see it. Um, that That's a good observation that if they do recast the role, there's a lot of pressure off their back Uh to live up to arguably the biggest Bond in the world, not that it's my favourite Bond by any stretch of the imagination, but everyone knows Daniel Craig is a great James Bond. Like, that's what he's known for nowadays. Um, the, yeah, they've got the villain and they've got an established team now who can play off each other, the Money Penny Q, Tanner, um, M, and then Blofeld. So if they were to recast it, and you just give a lot of... Uh, 
seemed to Christoph Waltz to ease the pressure of having a brand new actor after the celebration of Daniel Craig. So it it could work with ease for a new actor if they wanted to. Um, before that scene, I would have said Craig's back for sure. Like they need to wrap up this like part two of Spectre, 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 Blofeld storyline. And then that scene, yeah, it's so hard to tell because James Bond does so often, like, um, just quit MI6, like, every film. So it wouldn't surprise me if by the end of the pre-title sequence, next film, it's like, oh, James Bond is back with the gang. Like, they could easily course-correct this. Um, But again, I feel like maybe it's setting up, like, two years later, Bond and Madeline have been travelling the world together, folding in love. Having a kid. Yeah, it's it's a good way for them to have some time pass with this love story, I guess, and without Bond's destruction of the job. Um, I almost would be fine with this being the end of Craig. This is my favourite Craig performance. I actually kind of liked him more so in this than any other one. But it, it would be a fitting end, and you're right, it's kind of funny that we've never had a James Bond final film. Like, no one's ever said... Never been marketed as this is the final film for this Bond. Um, Wasn't you only? Oh, Sean Connery. Well, Diamonds Are Forever, I guess. No, even Um, you only lived twice. He announced when they were filming it. Yeah, but but that's when they were filming it. It wasn't like they went into this film. All right, we've got to make this one because it's Mm going to be the end. Like they didn't end it like the You Only Live Twice book, which would have been a good way of ending Sean Connery. so they've never had this, like, ending, like, Diamonds Are Forever. The final scene is what? Wind and Kid on a boat um, on fire. So they've never had this ending like like that. Like the, the <laughs> Sorry. You <laughs> just start him off. <laughs> <laughs> They're burning. Their flesh is falling off their body. <laughs> like, it's kind of like the cue, the Desmond Llewellyn ending almost. Like, it's like, was he going to come back? Probably not, but he still had an ending. Um So if he's back, whatever, they can easily fix this. But I'm almost ready now for a new Bond. But it would be funny to have a sequel to this film with a new Bond rather than just wrapping up the Spectre plotline with Daniel Craig then starting fresh. Um, I said to Ben, and people are going to laugh at me, and pretty Ah. much 99.9% of Bond fans would think this is the worst idea ever, but... I said to Ben that it would have been good, and I thought for a second, but we would have heard from it. We would have heard in the media if this was what happened in the film three weeks ago. But at the very end when Q's in the thing and you see the lift come down and he's like, is that Bond? Um, That's where we could have the new actor who's replacing Daniel Craig show up, and that's his... You look different, Double (laughs) said. Well, no, mention to it, it's just this is... The, that was the end of Daniel Craig, and now this is the pre-titles almost for the next Bond. This is the introduction of the next Bond. Um, and then he drives off, not quitting MI6, but drives off in the DB5, and then it could say, introducing uh, Idris Elba as James <laughs> Bond or something like that. Uh, I know people are going to laugh at me and hate me for even saying that, but I think that would have been kind of cool. Uh, try something new. <laughs> I shouldn't have even brought that up. You're an idiot, Graves. There goes our credibility. <laughs> well, our uh, credibility went in episode one when Ben mentioned Die Another Day. But um, if I was a betting man, which I'm not, but I will bet, probably say Daniel Craig will return 
But if he doesn't, I won't be shocked. And personally, I won't be too upset at all, really. And I find it hard to believe that Christoph Waltz or Blofeld won't be in the next Bond film. Oh, Christoph Waltz. Get him again. Get him in every Bond movie. That's it. From now on, for the future, every Bond movie, he can be Bond. (laughs) (laughs) If if they get him back for the second one, though, they need to give him more to do this time around. Um, But, yeah, that's Spectre, Spectre, Spectre. Um, Now it's been, what, five hours since we've seen the film, and I'm aching to see it again now. I really want to go back after we've had this discussion. We've obviously- Are we going to do Spectre reaction to the second time we've seen it? <laughs> the rewatch reaction. Um, we've obviously missed a hell of a lot. We didn't really talk about it in order or anything. We didn't talk about La American or anything like that um, because this was just the re- reaction episode. Uh, we'll have our proper episode and we may even have another Spectre episode. Who knows? But do we have any concluding thoughts for this reaction of Spectre, 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 James Bond 24? Um, not really that we haven't talked about. Um, look, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting being able to do this, as I said at the start, and particularly that, you know, we've all kind of shared our various stories of, of our experiences with the James Bond films and, I mean, they're a film, and the best way to watch a film is to watch it in the cinema. And, like, we're all going to have varying um, stories and that on kind of lead up to Bond film. You know, I know we sort of talked about what really was our first Bond film that we really were paying attention to, like, trailers and, and watching it and reading a lot all about it. And I, I found this experience very fun to be able to do this and doing this show and really being able to sort of sit down with you two and be able to discuss opinions and everything because it's obviously been the most analyzed bond film that we've all basically had in the lead up to a to a movie so we started this show at the right time um now we're gonna have to wait a few years to be able to do all this again so you're gonna have to put up with this like ranking the james bond jr episodes or something like that eventually <laughs> but um yeah it's it's been enjoyable and to kind of get the conclusion to to be able to watch it and yeah i'm, I'm the same as you know i want to go and see this again now and I've never seen a James Bond movie more than once at the cinemas. Uh, so I'm thinking this is going to be the first time I'm going to be doing that. So, again, putting the call out there. Anybody who uh, might be available, Glenorchy, next Tuesday night. Um, which, look, we might not get this up before next Tuesday night. So um, just hang around Glenorchy and, and look for the, the fat podcast host and um, come along and see Spectre with me. Play, um, and- play GoldenEye uh, Pinball. <laughs> Mini driver pinball. If just just quickly a tie in with Noah Groves, head to our Facebook page and check out the video of Noah Groves playing Goldeneye pinball. Because I will say, just in all honesty, um, you talked up your IMAX experience, Colin. Like, look, we're a small city. Um, you know, we were kind of questioning how many people would be there for the, the thing tonight. And Hobart turned out fantastically. The cinema was basically full. There was very few seats left. Um, it was great. The, the cinema went all out. I mean, they dedicated an entire wall to Spectre Spectre posters. They had a little chair there with like a table with a martini glass and a shaker. The, the music that they play in the cinema was all James Bond themes. Yeah. Um, they had a Pinball. giant James Bond. Yeah, Goldeneye Pinball, watch pin- Noah Gross play it, Mini Driver Pinball. Um, and they even had giant Daniel Craig poster with a Santa hat on it. So, <laughs> And we got our Spectre Spectre Cups, because apparently they didn't City have them cups. beforehand. 
Um, so Noah and I have Spectre Sippy Cups. In your face, Colin Hilding. You may have seen <laughs> yeah. it a week before us, but we got Spectre Sippy Cups. Well, I've got peanut sippy cups here. So <laughs> penis. That's my competition. <laughs> peanut sippy cups. Uh, All right. Cup. <laughs> Octopus. Uh, well, you said you'd never seen a Bond movie more than once. I, I, I've i never seen a Bond movie just once in the theater. Uh, I think uh, other, other than Tomorrow Never Dies, the first one I saw. I mean, I saw The World Is Not Not Twice. I think I saw Die Another Day three times. And you heard my feelings on Die Another Day. Casino Royale, Quantum Sol, Skyfall, saw them all twice. So it's not nor- it's not unusual for me to want to see a Bond movie a second time. But I have to say, even though my reaction to this has not been as strong as it was for Casino Royale or Skyfall or even uh, some of the others, I can honestly say that this is the one that I'm most interested in seeing a second time just because there is so much going on. And it, we talk now about how certain things feel underdeveloped. And I have a feeling that maybe after two or three watches, this movie is one of those is going to get better because you're not as caught off guard by certain things. I mean, there were a lot of things we had to, we analyzed so heavily going in and we had to be looking out for us. Like, okay, are we going to see Blofeld? Um, are we going to see uh, Judy Dench, uh, which we barely even mentioned. <laughs> Judy Dench does live by the way. And uh, we're not really analyzing anymore. We've seen the movie and we don't have expectations. We can go in a second time, a third time, a fourth time and enjoy the movie. And I honestly believe this is one of those that's probably going to improve. I don't think it'll ever really go down to, to be the classic that Casino Royale Skyfall is, but just because um, Fear Your Eyes Only isn't the classic that The Spy Who Loved Me was, that doesn't mean we don't love Fear Your Eyes Only. And, you know, just because uh, Thunderball or You Only Live Twice weren't from Russia with Love and Dr. No, that doesn't mean we don't love those. So Just because uh, Diamond Bar Forever is not on a Majesty's Secret Service. Just because yeah. Die Another Day isn't GoldenEye. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> enjoy your sippy cups, boys. <laughs> <laughs> But ultimately, this will be a movie that it'll be just like all other Bond movies. We're going to love it. And I think this is one that I'm so interested to see a second time. And I think it will improve. Yeah, we've come such a long way from that live press conference they did announcing Spectre all the way to we've finally seen the film. It's kind of weird because we just hyped it and talked about it so much and waited and waited. It's kind of weird that we're seeing it now. And. Uh, I know we shouldn't be already thinking of the next one, but yeah, we're going to have to wait three years, four years, hopefully only two, but who knows. Um, Maybe even one. Wouldn't that be great? Oh, that would be a good surprise. <laughs> um, yeah, we waited all the way to the credits just to say, see it say, James Bond will return. And then <laughs> it cheer. wasn't coming. We're like, oh my God, it's not there. Oh, it's there. Yay, he's coming back. Everyone was leaving. I'm like, no, we have to see James Bond will return. <laughs> I just want to say something really said. quickly on that. There was just a funny story from my theater experience. Uh, there were several people who stuck around in the end credits, and I don't know what these people were thinking of. They'd never seen a Bond film before, but two people behind me were like, have they ever had a Bond movie that says James Bond will return before? <laughs> like, I didn't want to say anything. I'm like, um, maybe 23 of them. <laughs> my, 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 just my little joke then, which I'm stealing from Noah. It was going to say, our version said, um, James Bond will return in a view to a kill. But... Um, <laughs> Yeah. Joke failed. We, Thanks, Noah. Your jokes suck. <laughs> we, did I say that? I'm not sure I said that. Yes, you came up with that joke. That's we what were... happens when a Ben's jokes fail. He's like, it was actually Noah's <laughs> <one's laughs> So I'm oh, stealing his jokes and then blaming him for jokes. Okay, got it. We were, we were waiting for the uh, the post title, uh, post credit scene. Um, I was waiting for Samuel L. Jackson yeah, to show up. 
someone said, no, you can't, guys. There's going to be a post-credit scene. Well, uh, there's probably not, but we'll get James Bond will return. That will do. Um, so I'm, I'm yearning for the day they actually announce the title at the end of that, but whatever. Um, it was and Spectre 2. <laughs> yeah, Spectre 2. More Spectre. Um, <laughs> Even spectre <laughs> spectre Um The Spectre Strikes Back. <laughs> we... Oh, Christoph Waltz in Star Wars. Yes, please. Um, Darth Vader. Star Wars trailer was awesome on the big screen, by the way. Glad it was they there. They didn't have one, Noah. Didn't think it would be there from what Ben was saying. Anyway, <laughs> hashtag in jokes. It, it was a really fun experience. I feel like we were shitting on this film a bit and really getting into it, but that's just because that's our reaction. I'm like that with any film I watch at the cinema. I talk about what I liked, what I didn't like. Um, it was really enjoyable. It was a good Bond film. It's not the worst Bond film. It's probably in the top half. We'd have to review that in a few months. You need to let it soak in. But I would say it's probably in the top 15. Um, it was enjoyable, and I can't wait to rewatch it. It's a different kind of Bond film. It was a great night out. We got to play Mini Driver Pinball. Um, Had Bilderberger. Yeah. It was It was just a, it was a good Bond film. There were issues with it for sure, but we're not going to get Casino Royale every, every time, and I'm glad it's not because that puts the pressure on them to always go bigger and bolder and better. I would rather them just make a film rather than thinking of how they can top things every single time. So I wonder how it will change on a rewatch. That will be interesting to note. And in a few months when we do our proper recap, how we'll be viewing it compared to now. Um, but it was a very fun film and another another bond down and we can look forward to whatever's next to come. Um, so that's it. It's time to wrap it up. Uh, the end of Spectre, Spectre, Spectre. James Bond will return. No post credit scene. Um yeah, I would love to know your, whoever you are listening. Um, and hopefully a few from the cinema. We were trying to shout yes, it out a little bit. We were spruiking our show. You will hear that in our post-credits uh, scene. <laughs> oh, yes, that's right. You'll hear something very, a special treat at the end of this. Yeah, stay stay tuned to after the song. There is a, a hidden... Like, we've never done it before, so... Uh, don't get your hopes. Don't overhype it. Like Colin uh, wasn't Mr. in it, so if you're not, if you're a Colin fan, you only listen <laughs> yeah. to this with Colin. Hello, Jamie. Um, he's not in the last one. Yeah, you can tune out now, Jamie. Um, yeah, so that's the end. Stay tuned for the special post-credit popcorn scene at the end of this. Um, Literally. <laughs> it's it's the end. It's, share your opinions. I'd love to hear because I've been kind of avoiding most Bond-related things except for the occasional. Uh, review in that because I didn't want to be spoiled from anything so now I can finally talk to people about this um, and post your opinions on our Facebook or our do we have Twitter yeah our Twitter uh, we have email send us an email um, we have a, a WordPress site too yeah <laughs> we've got <laughs> iTunes you could send us your thoughts via a review preferably five stars um so yeah do all that jazz because we would want to hear from you what did you think of Spectre 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 um so yeah so to end it out I guess I'll say that my name has been Noah and I have been the author of all your pain listening to this podcast so I'm sorry if your ears are bleeding my name is Ben and uh, the fact that we got this line twice and didn't even mention it 
You're a kite, Mr. Bond, <laughs> dancing in a hurricane. Twice. You're a kite, Mr. Bond, <laughs> dancing in a hurricane. Bang! <laughs> and my name is Colin, and you're welcome, listeners. It's been a long time, and finally, here we are. <laughs> or were, I guess. Yes, that's the perfect way to end it. Again, stay tuned. Uh, go to facebook.com to watch Goldeneye Pinball. We'll be back uh, with just our regular recap episodes. But by the time you're listening to this, it's maybe out of order and everything, so that doesn't even matter. We'll be back with a proper Spectre, Spectre, Spectre episode sometime next year. And until then, peace out. Goodbye. See you, stupid. Beep. It's finished. It's over. <laughs> we saw it. It's great. And we're eating after film <laughs> So listen to 007. It's a podcast. <laughs> 007 will return with more popcorn. Thank you for listening. Good night. <laughs>